The Heart and Soul Music Festival is back. This time it's bigger and better than ever. Saturday, October 14th, 3 p.m. in the Apaca Amphitheater with Atlantic Star. Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. All right, we are back with another edition of the show. It is a media spotlight, football style, as we go around the uh, the big four networks and talk about the broadcasting and the play-by-play people, the analysts, all that good stuff. And joining me as usual, we have from the Sons of UCF, Adam Eaton. Hello, Adam. Greetings, Jeff. I thought we were going to talk U.S. Open tennis. I gotta. I have to rework my rundown here. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you could probably speak for about ten seconds on U.S. Open tennis, and you would know may way do way more than I could. So <laughs> there you go. And of course, uh, black and gold banneret voice of UCF softball. Eric Lopez is also here. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing good. I have the U.S. Open on. It's uh, I have it on Same. consistently, so I am a big tennis guy. So be careful what you wish for. <laughs> All right, we might let you guys sneak a couple minutes in later on that. So you know, I'm I'm generous with my time. What can I tell you? <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to go through uh, talking about all the. All the football that is about to be broadcast uh, between now and February. So let's get to it, shall we? And we will start first up with college football on ESPN. As, of course, uh, they've got numerous changes, many because of layoffs, and they've done some restructuring, things like that. So uh, let's... uh, talk about first i want to start with college game day so what did you guys think did you guys hear the new open i did yeah i did i mean it they, they build it up like it was gonna be some grand item and i don't know it kind of fell a little flat for me it wasn't a whole lot different than what i was expecting so uh but yeah it was fine i mean i'm more curious they haven't really addressed the reason why big and rich aren't there anymore i think there's some things maybe percolating with that but i'd love to have learned more from a why they have uh, made that change other than they just made that change. I don't know. Yeah. My only thing is why can't we just do like a broadcast, you know, ESPN music. Does everything have to be with a band now or a singular a, a, a artist performance? Like, um, yeah, that was my only thing about it. I thought, all right, let's maybe just go with a standard ESPN music. They used to have a game day music yeah. with ESPN until Big Rich kind of took over. I mean, I would imagine there's some finance issues there that might be in dispute. Who knows? Everybody's in dispute with finances nowadays. But, um, you know, I didn't think much of it. I'm not one of those that cares particularly for the open. I was more interested in the actual product. Um, 
which, full disclosure, I uh, couldn't watch because of a certain cable dispute. <laughs> so I will... I uh, was not able to watch it live, so I will defer to you, gentlemen, on your thoughts on it because I'm just as curious about how game day went off. Obviously, I was stuck watching the other pregame show as a result, uh, at least on that day. That's been rectified since, but um, I, I don't know. It's I've never. I'm a big game day fan. I've been to game day a bunch of times. I'm just not a fan of the three hour format. Yeah, that's always been. Yeah, so I kind of thought, you know. Other than if they just couldn't get Big Rich to do it anymore, why change it? I mean, I thought, you know, it's it's kind of a staple. It's it's part of their brand. I'm sure you will get used to the new one as it goes along. But uh, uh, to me, it was like, okay, well, that wasn't really worth much of a change, in my opinion. So... <laughs> So I, at the risk of turning this into some form of a uh, a political show, if you Google, um, I think it's John Rich, he's had some interesting social media comments that maybe just don't align with some of the viewpoints. Um, and maybe that's where the, the schism comes from. Again, it wasn't really addressed, but if you just Google his name, there's a couple of tweets that, eh, you know, maybe some people in, in Bristol and in Burbank for Disney were, were not maybe uh, fans of. So maybe it was more of a mutual parting of the ways to allow one person to offer their opinions in a more free manner. Just just a pure speculation on my part. But feel free to Google John Rich <laughs> controversy. and I think you'll you'll find a couple of items. So he got Hank Williams is kind of what happened there <laughs> might be the i don't yeah is that what we're calling it? is that the original canceled i don't know what we're calling it these days yeah yeah, yeah. There, there just may be some things that perhaps maybe a family-friendly company such as the walt disney company didn't maybe want to be associated with again just a guess on my part yeah all right so as far as game day goes so we'll 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 do our best here to to inform eric on the happenings that happened there um so we got you know a much bigger dose of uh pat mcafee um, I'm still a small doses guy with him, but overall, what'd you think, Adam, as far as his participation? Yeah, I'll get to Mac in a second. Probably the biggest thing that still got to me, Jeff, and, and this was kind of shocking to me. Maybe it's because I'm used to college game day being a certain way, but they had a number of technical issues throughout the show. There was one point Reese Davis was clearly talking to the guest that was coming up and there was an, uh, an overlay playing at that point. And I don't think that was meant to be on air, but it was, there was a cutaway at one point of a different screen that seemed to pop in that wasn't supposed to be there. I don't ever recall seeing a lot of technical issues on that front from college game. Day. It was always a very clean presentation, despite all the gymnastics in the background. You never really felt like technically there was issues. I think, and Eric, you probably know this better than anybody. So keep me honest on this. I think Lee fitting left that show a couple of years ago, but Lee Fitting just left ESPN altogether recently. I thought he gave up college game day for from a night night football. Do, do I have that right? Do you recall that as well? Yeah, that's where that's why we understood it. Yeah, he left. Okay. Now he still oversaw it, but he but as far as the hands on uh, yeah. aspect of it, yeah, he left that a couple of years ago. So that was my first thought: was is his departure and maybe you know his way of running the team and understanding the production was that was that the first kind of sign of. A, a a situation where and I don't I don't know if Lee Fitting got laid off or he was more of a different departure, but was that the first sign of, of that taking place? That was really the first thing that stuck out to me. Jeff was for all the gymnastics, all the craziness, all the signs, all the hoopla. Game Day was always a relatively well produced production environment show, despite everything going on. And to have a couple of really obvious gaffes like that was almost like wow, that's that that really took me back. Well, keep in mind uh, they were in Charlotte, neutral site. 
I don't know the last time they've done a show from Charlotte. You wonder if that played a role, you know, sure. things like that. The other thing is, you know, we're quite aware of all the on-air personalities that were laid off, but we don't know yeah. behind the scenes people that might have been laid off. For all we know, there could be some new people behind the scenes working game day for the first time, and that could play a factor as well uh, yeah. that, you know, in, in some of the kind of, a you know, hiccups that you're describing. Yeah. Well, I th- it's interesting, too, because un- unless something changed on this front as well, the other thing I thought of with that, Elo, was isn't the ACC network in Charlotte? Isn't that their their home base? So we, have you would have thought there, yeah. they would have had some ability to put on a production, um, you know, for that game. So maybe something affected the ACC network. So that was my, my first thought, Jeff, was production just – I don't recall seeing a ton of those technical issues for college game day. Yeah, I think the other thing that stood out to me, and I see a lot of people picked up on it on Twitter or X. I, I refuse to call it X, but anyway, uh, that Desmond Howard has become Pat McAfee's personal laugh track. And he just cackles – incessantly or whatever Pat McAfee says that seemed to be and it's like one of the things you know people pointed out not all of Colton that's all you hear or see that's kind of what it kind of what hit me on Saturday what, yeah, your where, original, your yeah, original question about uh, about McAfee though Jeff I'll take that for a second as well it, two things stuck well three things one uh, Desmond Howard was one he just felt like it was to your personal laugh track is the best way to describe it two there's clearly a bit of a bromance between McAfee and Kirk Herbstreet you can you can tell they get along really well which is probably good for show chemistry but you can tell there's a bit of a bromance I, I kind of I look I'm a McAfee fan I enjoy his show I enjoy kind of his unique perspective on stuff but he's also one of those people that will just take a joke and run it into the ground and Obviously, South Carolina, their their nickname is the Gamecocks. You can shorten that very easily, and it comes up with another term. And he took he took a lot of liberties with continuing to say that word. I won't I won't you know bear your audience with that, Jeff. But he said that word over and over and over and over again to the point where it was like, all right, I get it, dude. Like, it's a nice sophomore college joke. I get what you're doing here, but like, it was just over the top at, at periods of time. And I'm having a hard time. And this is maybe me and Eric, I don't know if you would agree with this. This is me maybe, you know, being a longtime college game day listener and, and viewer is I like a little authenticity with my with my broadcast. I like to know the people giving the information on college football have the ability to, to talk about college football. I find McAfee a little bit lacking in that category. He's entertaining as hell. Don't get me wrong. You know, he's definitely a, a personality. But outside of like the kicking game, I don't I don't go to him with like, I wonder what happened on third and eight and why the left tackle was was wasn't wasn't set. He's definitely more personality driven. And it's gonna take me a while to get used to that on the show because I felt like there was definitely a more consistent analytical component from the previous cast. I don't think McAfee brings that at all. Sounds to me like you missed uh, David Pollock. So it's funny you mentioned that. And so real quick on Pollock, it was probably about two hours into the show. And I was like, oh, yeah, Pollock's gone. And I don't I don't mean that negatively. I actually like David Pollock, but I had forgotten that he was laid off because everything was going on. Um, And so but when I remembered it, I was like, I wonder if this would have been the spot where Pollock would have talked a little bit more in depth about something of a game situation. Yeah, that's good. That's what I think is Pollock's role would be to come in for Corso. And he would kind of break down his thoughts and the exits and O's. And last year, that's kind of what they did. So McAfee didn't have to do as much of that. But with no Pollock, I would just, it really, they're short. They're shorthanded right now. I mean, I don't, you know, I was surprised. And unless you correct me if I'm, they didn't bring any other people in uh, for segments as far as their analysts are concerned, which kind of surprised me. I thought maybe they would do a little bit of a whip around or something like that. 
they chose not to do that. Um, look, McAfee's there for the entertainment side of things. Um, I think he's there to be Corso's heir apparent. And I think the question's going to be, do they add somebody either this year or down the road to be that what you're talking about, Adam, that X is an O, because that's what the show was about at one point. Uh, unfortunately, and we'll get to Fox's pregame, these pregame shows are no longer as much about X's and O's as it's about entertainment and woo and rah, rah, and whoa, look at that, look at this crowd. It's all, you know, loud, you know. And so I will say this to your point about McAfee Herb Street. Herb Street had a big influence in McAfee coming in. Like that doesn't – Herb Street did want McAfee in. And if you're ESPN, you got to do what Herb Street wants you to do because you know, if you want him to stick around on that show, you want him to be happy, and Pat McAfee makes him happy. So I think that's not a surprise that McAfee and Herb Street are tight. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting, interesting point, Eric, because you've been on record as saying that you feel like Herb Street's time with game day will end whenever Lee Corso's time with game day ends. Maybe they see McAfee as kind of that bridge to, to convince Herb Street to stick on for another year or two if and when Corso leaves, because we all can see how close Coach and, and, and Kirk are. Perhaps that's ESPN's way of saying, all right, let's give Kirk a little bit of what he's looking for so that we can retain him maybe three or four years post Lee Corso's time on the show. Yeah, I'd be curious too, because, you know, Three, four weeks in, I want to see what it's like after Herb Street's done a few NFL games because he was very fresh this week. So oh, yeah. I think that will be also interesting to see how that develops as, as that goes down. The other thing, ESPN, and you talked about, you know, kind of the gimmicky things they're doing. So what was it? They did this uh, Oreo challenge with the with the, the, the fans who were trying to drop the Oreo down in the mouth on their forehead. That, uh, that, that just seems so kind of ridiculous for game day for my, I mean, for my, well, I mean, that's what me and Adam, that's what me and Adam do before around the kingdom. Actually. <laughs> Next week's around the kingdom. Yeah. Well, that, that, that actually speaks really well to Eric's point that, that, that to me, if that's not the red flag that this is a two hour show, I don't know what is. Yeah. Right. If we're filling time with Oreos and, 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 and carnival games, that's probably your first indicator that maybe this is a two hour show. Yeah. I would go along with that for sure. Well, what do you think of Stanford Steve in the Felipe role? I mean, because I think he could be the wild card in this because yeah. he does does know football. He played football. I wonder as time goes, does he perhaps pick up some of these segments that maybe is lost on a David Pollock? Because he might fill those some. He could do X's and O's. I hope they don't just stick to him as just a gambling guy because I think he knows football. Yeah, and it was very interesting too because I, I like the little gimmick they call it Steve Six Pack, and they had the little refrigerator mag- magnet board, and, and they had the little beer cans as the the indicator of his pick. Uh, you know, I thought it was a, I thought it was a very solid uh, effort by Stanford Steve. I kind of liked it better than Felicia, if, if if you want my honest opinion on that. Yeah, I've always been a Stanford Steve guy. I mean, obviously, he was with SVP for a long time. I love SB, SVP show. His old podcast with Stanford Steve it was great. Um, I I, I like that it was a little bit different. I was afraid they were just basically going to be, you know, you know, you're you're the bear 2.0. And I like that they gave it a little bit more personality. I'd like to see to your point, Eric, how that can evolve. Like what, one of my favorite things of all time on on sports media is is Scott Van Pelt and Stanford Steve's bad beat segment. Uh, and I don't know how you bring that in, but that kind of personality, that kind of fun, like I'd, I'd like them to see if they can show off Stanford Steve's personality because I think he's got a little bit more personality than maybe uh, Chris Felica had. Um, and I'd like to see if that can, you know, if that can somehow find its way in the show because I do think that could be a really cool component. Your thoughts, Eric? I agree. I agree. Uh, I wish it would go back to two hours. It's not going to do it because of finance reasons, the advertising, but. 
I think they would make their lives a lot easier if it was a two-hour show. Because I actually watched their season preview show in the studio for two, and I liked it. I thought it was pretty compact. It was good. I thought McAfee was good. I think everybody is stretched out at three hours, and that might be the theme when we talk about some of these ESPN people, because some of these people are being stretched out in doing a lot of different stuff at the same time. You mentioned Herb Street and what he's got coming up. And there's other people that are doing multiple things that I do wonder, you know, Pat McAfee being one of them, he's going to start his show next week. How is that going to impact his game day preparation to Adam's point? I don't think he's going to be the ins and outs guy in college football the whole beat because he's focusing on doing a show four or five days a week. Uh, You know, the good news from Big 12 perspective, he's a West Virginia alum, so you know he's going to throw in a Big 12 talk just because of West Virginia ties. But, yeah, he's not going to be your guru and X's and O's guy when it comes to college football like we've had in the past. Well, at the risk of derailing your show, Jeff, I'd love both of your thoughts on this because I was thinking about that this weekend as well. ESPN's guilty or more guilty of it than Fox is. You're seeing a ton of guys who are asked to cover college football and now pro football, right? McAfee. Um, you know, you talk about Herb Street, Robert Griffin III, Booker McFarland, Dan Orlovsky, Lewis Riddick. You're seeing a ton of guys who are NFL guys and college guys kind of all working together. What What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that there's a – is there a segment of the viewer who is listening to Dan Orlovsky break down, you know, quarterback Mikey Keene of Fresno State saying, this guy doesn't know anything? Or do they say, hey, wow, that's Dan Orlovsky from the NFL. Like, he must know, he must know something. I'm curious how both college and pro fans feel about – that integration when you're seeing these guys on all these shows and they're talking NFL and the next time they're talking college football, what are your thoughts on, on how you think fans take sort of the dual role that some of the analysts are, are having, especially at ESPN? Well, it's all about the exposure and, you know, you over, you know, exposing somebody like Dan Orlovsky. It's interesting this year. They've kept him in the studio. So he's now part of the college football studio show on ABC, which, I found interesting, you know, like Lewis Reddick's doing a Saturday college football game out of the blue. I just find that weird. And I, and, but then he's going to do NFL games later in the year with Chris Fowler and Dan Orlovsky. So it's kind of like, I don't know if the fan cares necessarily what it is. What I'm wondering is, does it affect that person's uh, performance and they're knowing every detail? It's hard if you're doing multiple sports, even I know football is football, but following the NFL and college are two different things, and you're trying to juggle both at the same time. That could be a challenge. Like RG three is doing college football still, but yet he's doing Monday Night Countdown. So how much you know? You wonder how much is he digging into the college game? How much is he digging into the NFL? I know they're going to tell you they go all in all week on both, but you have to wonder if you know. A person kind of like, oh, he didn't really kind of went more vanilla on that one. Like, is Lewis Riddick going to break down, you know, Big 12 football? Probably not, right? Like, so um, that's where I think the coverage is kind of affected a little bit in that style. And, and you know, we see this with basketball too, right? Yeah. With guys, people doing college and pro. I think some people get agitated. But, but the thing is, with the way they're doing cost and, and, you know, affecting cost, this is how you save gigs, right? Multitasking. And that's why I think certain people that got in the layoffs, it, it wasn't an accident. Like a Steve Young was never going to do college football, right? So you get rid of him, but you keep a guy like a Booger McFarlane who's going to cover both NFL and college as an example. Yeah, I like my college guys doing college and my pro guys doing pro. I go back to the old adage, do you want to do two things pretty well or one thing really great? And I think that's going to be the 
the trade-off. Uh, yeah, they might do this stuff pretty well, but will it be really exceptional? I think that's the qual- that's that's going to be where quality takes a hit when you cut costs, right? Well, Herb Street's the example, right? Like Adam's not a fan. We'll get it, but Adam's not a fan of Herb Street doing the Amazon games. Uh, whereas everybody likes him more in college, and I think Herb Street's a lot more conservative on the NFL broadcast because he's not into the NFL seven days a week like he is to college and vice versa. And, you know, we're kind of seeing this right now. You know, we joked about the U.S. Open. Chris Fowler, in the, as we talk, is doing the U.S. Open and college football at the same time, and he's going to do the NFL after this week as well. So it, it's it's kind of wild, and I, you wonder if, if, if that catches up with someone. Yeah, I think eventually that does that does take its toll, and we'll, we'll kind of see that as a – as the season wears on. So talking about some of the other aspects of ESPN's college football coverage. So Jesse Palmer is going back to game coverage and they've gone all in on Dan Mullen in the ESPN studio with uh, uh, Joey Galloway and uh, Matt Berry. So, uh, and they even call a little segment called Mullen it over. Terrible. (laughs) But uh, uh, um, So what are your thoughts on, on that? Does that show still matter? I, I asked both of you this because I remember when it was Reese Davis, Mark May, and Lou Holtz. And now in retrospect, you think, wow, that was such an annoying show. It's probably not the greatest of shows, but yet it was entertaining and you were hooked on it, right? Like you felt you had to watch it every night. Now I don't feel like I have to watch it. Like you mentioned that, I, I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go out of my way to watch it. Usually there's games going on now in those late night slots anyway. So by the time they go on the air, it's probably two in the morning or whatever. I don't know. I mean, am I, am I, am I overreacting to it? I love the the college football final replay on Sunday morning. I mean, that's that's a must watch. I don't watch it. I watch it Sunday morning. I watch it Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Rolling out of bed, waiting for an NFL to start. And it's on the ESPN too at like 8 a.m. That's when I catch it because I probably didn't catch all the late games. So I missed something. And that's when I, that's when I catch up with it. But you hit on exactly what I was going to hit on, Eric, was there was an element of, and, and obviously age is one factor, but there's an element of the Holtz, Mark May, Reese Davis regime. There was a bit of a zany, like late night. No one's watching anyway. Who gives a bleep, right? Let's just try some, some kind of crazy stuff. And I feel like while that, that as much as Mark May and Lou Holtz are, are, are who they are, I feel like the the Matt Barry, Joey Galloway, Jesse Palmer had started to develop that a little bit. There was a little bit of zaniness, a little bit of back and forth, some some fun. When, when I think late night TV and I think three in the morning, college football, just kind of cutting it up. The first thing that comes to mind is absolutely not Dan Mullen. And that's where I, that's where it falls short for me. I feel like Jesse Palmer and Joey Galloway. I'm not a huge Joey Galloway guy, but Jesse's been around a long time. I, I get it. He's a, he's a media guy, but they had a chemistry. And with Matt Berry, there was lighthearted. It was loose. It was fun. I don't look at Dan Mullen and think fun. And so that's where I'm a little bit upset is I, I'm with Jeff 8 a.m. Rolling out of bed, you know, throwing some, throwing some eggs on the, on the stove, watching college football, getting ready for the NFL day. You could catch up on that little zany show. I don't, I don't think I'm watching to see what Dan Mullen had to say. I would say they, cause Palmer didn't do every show last year because he had commitments. He's the host, I think of the bachelor. Act like you don't know that Eric. I, I, <laughs> I see. I see so he, he missed there. part of the show. <laughs> Sorry, I, that's musty TV. Um, <laughs> so I wonder if Mullen, they just, you know, decided to go keep him on the, in the studio, well, kind of re, try to recreate the Holtz, Mark May thing. I would forget prefer, this, Eric. Did yeah. Mullen do games last year? He did a couple. Yeah, he did a bowl game. A he did. 
Uh, they snuck him in, but he was mostly studio. Uh, I would have put him on the ABC side. What I wonder, would you yeah. be better off if you put him on ABC and move Orlovsky to that role with Galloway? Because I think Orlovsky has that personality would fit better in that late-night format. Uh, maybe him and Galloway go butt heads. I just don't see Dan Mullen and Joey Galloway butting heads, and that's really what they want. That's what made Mark May and Lou Holtz was they, whether it was contrived or whatever it was, you knew there was friction there. And people tuned in, and, and they made Rich Reese did a good job of playing the, uh, the judge there. I don't think we have that with this pairing, so why am I going to go out of my way? I had no idea that show aired at 8 a.m., so congrats yeah. to you two gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> I am on NFL mode at that point uh, when I can dare, so good to you. But I, I don't – and I don't know if ESPN puts as much credence on that show. And I used to enjoy when game day would react – they would bring in game day for a segment to react to some of the results. They don't do that anymore. Like we don't hear from the game day guys – Unless you know at all, once well, they're done, they all have different jobs, Eric. They all have to leave to go do something else. <laughs> they have nine jobs. They got to get out of there. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, uh, other notable stuff. Uh, uh, so we know, obviously, Fowler Herbstreit are, are the A team there. Uh, Greg McElroy moves into the number two team with uh, Sean McDonough. I found that so that the Todd Blackledge departure opened up a spot for him. What's your thoughts on McElroy? That's the biggest question that I have of the whole college football season from a broadcasting standpoint is how does Greg – because Blackledge was fantastic, and Blackledge and McDonough were fantastic. I wonder if both sides, Todd Blackledge and, – and I listened to Todd Blackledge recently do an interview uh, with Richard Deitch, and he talked about why he made the move and how he's kind of wanted it, NBC and all that. I wonder if both sides are going to miss each other at some point. We'll see. Uh, McElroy, he's obviously somebody they've put a lot of stock in. He He's on a lot. We'll see how he fits as that number two guy with McDonough and how people receptive to that because I think Mac, you know, McElroy's been polarizing at times to some people. Uh, some people think he's an SEC guy. Uh, I, you know, And I thought him and Tessitore were pretty good, so that's also a risk that you're splitting a, guy, a, a broadcast team up from that standpoint. Obviously, it's a promotion for him. But, man, he's stepping into big shoes because I think Blackledge is fantastic. Um, and we'll get to him later, but I wonder if that's going to be something where both sides are going to miss each other a little bit. Um, I'm intrigued by it. I, I will see how this goes because I do think McDonough's good. Uh, but, is you know, I mean, he's he's been spoiled. And McDonough seems to have this weird luck where all his analysts leave <laughs> <laughs> for various reasons. They leave, whether it be Spielman, who he was great with, left to go to the NFL of all things. Uh, Blackledge, uh, who's the other? I mean, Gruden on the Monday night, although that didn't fit. Like it just seems like people leave McDonough. Yeah, although McDonough even admits at some points during his career he's been kind of hard to work with. So uh, who knows how much that plays a factor? Adam, yeah, I think like I'm I'm with Eric. I'm I'm hot and cold on on Greg McElroy. I, I think there are times that he, he has some some good commentary and it's okay, and then sometimes he's a little bit of a, 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 a windbag. It is interesting. I saw over the over the summer period, and obviously full disclosure for those who don't know, the three of us all you know cover and, and, and watch a lot of UCF you know night stuff. He was doing these these shorts on Twitter on social media, just talking about the nights. You could tell he was trying to raise his profile a little bit. Um, he does a gambling thing as well with the uh, the whatever the ESPN gambling show is called. I forgot off the top of my head where he's kind of giving lines and over under. So you could definitely tell there's an opportunity. There's a there's a uh, probably a, a sort of effort to get him more exposure, but I'm I'm with Eric. I'm really hit or miss on him. 
this is one he could sway me either way. This is kind of the swing year, in my opinion. He could sway me either way to go, yeah, you know what? Solid analyst. He did a good job. Or I would go, man, this, this, this isn't going to work out. He could, he could sway me either way. After one week, I'm, I'm still in that, uh, in that neutral category, but I agree with Elo. There was a, there was a chemistry with Tessator that I actually kind of enjoyed. Seemed like they always had that Saturday night, you know, late game. It was 1030. It was Texas. It was wild. Like it, that, that's kind of where I picture McElroy. Um, I'll see how he fits in, but this is, this is my swing year for Greg McElroy. He's on the clock for me. So, Greg, mm. if you're listening, you're on the clock. He's been served. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's on the clock. It could be uh, really awkward when Adam tries to get him on the on the podcast if he's doing yeah. a UCF game later this year. <laughs> yeah. I'll, just, I'll blame it on Mike. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> All right. Before we move on to ESPN's NFL coverage, anything else about their college football for this season I, that stands I, out to you? I mean, I have questions. I've had them, you know, there, there's a rippling effect, right? Depth chart wise, like how's Palmer and Testator going to do? You know, Palmer used to do games with Brent Musburger when the SEC Network started. Uh, that's interesting that now he's back in the booth there. We'll see how that goes. They've they moved Lewis Riddick from that Thursday night slot to the Saturday slot, which I don't know. Like, it's just, I don't know. There's just kind of uneasiness i'm surprised that rg3 didn't get a bigger boost but again what we talked about he's got monday night countdown so you can't give him too big of a a, of college football slate because he's doing the nfl so you wonder if that played a role into that um and he's got a new partner this year too on college he does so and they split him away from mark jones went rough by the way rough off season for mark jones that's all (laughs) yeah No, I mean, uh, so I don't know. It's it's interesting, Adam. I I mean, you got to see more of it than I did uh, for the obvious reasons I mentioned earlier. I mean, I don't know what stood out to you about among the other crews. If you ever watched something that stood out either new or old or whatever, but uh, it's going to be taking some time to used to to see who stands out. Yeah, honestly, it, I was. It took me a while. I, I I flipped on the game, and it was the game with Jesse Palmer. And I was like half paying attention. The game was on and I heard the voice and I was like, who is that? It took me a few minutes just because I was not, I'd forgotten that he was in the booth and it took me a while to get used to that. So I think that's going to take some time. Honestly, the biggest thing for me, gentlemen, and, and I know we'll talk about probably this broader is as a lifelong college football fan, as a Saturday diehard in front of the TV with the remotes and watching games, I'm very much a muscle memory guy. And, and I found it hard to wait, wait, that game's on. NBC now. Oh, wait, no, hold on. That, no, that's ESPN. No, no, the CBS. No, that's not them anymore. Like, I found myself really confused for a period of time. And it's only non-conference week, by the way. I can't imagine week four when it's conference games. Which which broadcast network had which conference and which game was on where? Like, I find my, I found myself muscle memory confused, having to go to the guide a few times to be like, wait a minute. Oh, so that game's on NBC. Okay, I didn't, I forgot about that. Oh, there's a Nike. Okay, I got that. That was my biggest takeaway was we had talked about this stuff in the off season, but I mean, there's so much, you know, uh, you know, stuff in our, in our minds that, you know, in one ear out the other, I was really disoriented for a period of time on which channel is which conference playing and which game can I find? We experienced it here in, in, in our little UCF bubble where they were on Fox sports one, which has never happened before. Right. So for, for not ever, I guess for a long time, but that was my biggest takeaway was just, I'm a muscle memory guy. I'm going to turn the TV on. It's three 30 on a, on a Saturday, you know, Alabama's playing Auburn, turn on CBS and it's not going to be there anymore. And I'm going to have to figure out how I get my, my, my mind adjusted to that. That was probably my well, biggest takeaway. Well, wait till this Sunday in the one o'clock slots when you see some of the NFC games on CBS and some of the yeah, other, yeah. Uh, you know, that that's good. You're really going to be messed up. Oh yeah. No, it's it's going to be a rough weekend, Eric. It's, it's, it's full blown chaos. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's all crazy. 
All right, so let's turn over to the uh, NFL side of things on the four-letter network. And I think a couple of the bigger takeaways, obviously Buck and Aikman are the team, and there's no disputing that. So Chris Fowler is back on the number two team that will call five games this year. So Steve Levy, once again, was shown the door on Monday Night Football. Uh, poor guy, but a loyal company man nonetheless. So uh, what's your thoughts on Fowler uh, returning to doing some NFL games? This is kind of wild. Like, we, you know, nobody, like, it just quietly, he got the, the NFL game. Steve Levy kind of shoved aside. I guess he's just going to be exclusive hockey. I don't know. I haven't even seen him do Sports Center in a while. So I was surprised, by the way, Steve Levy was not, like, at least brought him back to college football. But hey, that's a whole sidebar. The Fowler NFL thing is wild to me because he's going to be doing college football. Saturdays and then doing a Monday night game here in a couple of weeks when they do the uh, two games in one night. He's also going to miss a college football weekend because one of the NFL games he's doing is in London on ESPN plus exclusive. There's a potential that he's going to miss USC Colorado. He's an alum of Colorado. He's paired up with Lewis Riddick and Dan Orlovsky. He's never worked with before. So that's going to be wild. The irony of all this Herb Street went out of his way to do NFL, had to go to Amazon to do it. Now Fowler's doing NFL, but they're apart. <laughs> like, couldn't they have figured this out sooner and they could have just paired them up to do the NFL games together and we wouldn't be in this deal? Now, granted, Herb Street probably would have not made as much money without Amazon, but it is kind of wacky uh, there. I like Fowler. I'm a Fowler guy. I know there's some that don't from a play-by-play standpoint. Um I think he'll set Orlovsky and Riddick well, but it is awkward, weird that they just flipped them with Steve Levy, which I don't know what to make of that. I, that's a weird deal there that you just, you know, because it's not like you're, this is the marquee like games in London and ESPN plus, but I think this was kind of their way to reward Fowler with during the negotiations, I guess. That's the only thing I could take away from it. Yeah, that, that was my answer, Eric. That this is a uh, a scenario where um, your contract being up at the right time matters, and I think his contract was up. He was renegotiating. Uh, you know, there are rumors about how much he was asking for and whatnot. And this feels like one of those things they they throw in your contract. Here, here's the thing that really kind of I don't know frustrates me is the word I want to use, but Herb Street's a great example. And now Fowler, to your point, Eric, is missing college games. And it kind of reminds me of that old adage, like high school adage, where it's, do you want to be a big fish in a little pond or a little fish in a big pond? Fowler and Herb Street are college football announcers right now. They they are the two, right? You you think of college football, you think of those two names. And so kind of the way, you know, Jeff raised it earlier, like that's that's their kingdom, right? That's that's their fiefdom. They own that land. And yet they both want to venture out into the into the NFL world, potentially at the detriment of what it is that they do better than anybody else. That's shocking to me. They are the top of college football. They can ride that that coattail for the next 20 years, call games together, make a bunch of money, have some fun. But both of them want the professional challenge or the gravitas, whatever you want to call it, of being NFL announcer, so much so that you mentioned it earlier, you know, Jeff, you said the same thing, Eric, Herb Street's stamina throughout the season doing both of these certainly could impact college game day. And to your point, Eric, Fowler's going to miss college games where he's fought long and hard to get that number one chair after Brent Musburger left. He's going to give that away to go play across the pond for a Jaguars game. That's just shocking to me when they're the top of the college football landscape that they're willing to sacrifice and maybe potentially have a little bit of degradation on their day job of college to to pursue this NFL thing. Well, one game, in fairness, he's only missing the one game. 
Uh, it's not missing a, a slate, and Herb Street somehow is not missing games. And again, we don't know how much of this is there's bosses wanting them to do this just as much as, you know, we're talking about them wanting to do it. Their bosses wanted them to do this probably too, right? Like they didn't have to agree to this if they wanted to. They didn't have to let Kurt Herbstreit do Amazon, uh, although you would agitate him. I think Herbstreit definitely wanted to pluck in there. My whole thing is this could have been all simplified if everybody would have just agreed, hey, you know, a couple years ago they both did NFL games together. They could have just done NFL games right now. They could have been the number two team right now on ESPN ABC if they would have come to this. Maybe Herbshire doesn't have to go to Amazon. It's an easier schedule. And plus, they those two know each other so well, so the chemistry works. My concern is Fowler's never worked with Lewis Riddick and Dan Orlovsky. And I can tell you from experience, that's going to be awkward. Like, that takes time to get used to. And the first time they're going to work together is literally live in a game. It's not a practice game. So that there's going to be some awkward moments there. And that's the part that I'm stunned by is that they didn't work. Now, I don't know. Maybe you guys like the fact they're not working together on NFL games, that the fact they're trying something different with somebody different, maybe that's part of the allure. I don't know. But that's the part that blows my mind away on that. Eric, as a play-by-play guy, I mean, what is generally a minimum number of games where you really kind of develop chemistry with an analyst? I mean, I know it varies from person to person, but – well, that's the thing. It varies person to person. And the problem that Fowler's going to have is it's not like him and Riddick and Orlovsky are doing a game every week. That's the thing. They're kind of pin a couple here, a couple there. That's harder. You know, or at least with Herb Street and Al, they work every week, so they figure it out. Sometimes you don't, but it varies. And there's, the more games you get, the better. Like for me in volleyball, I'll give you this example with my analyst last year. I benefited from the fact that we broadcasted non-UCF games before UCF games, so we were able to work some kinks out a couple games. This year, I got to work with Aaron Campbell. Honestly, I had to read, even though I had worked with her in the past, like seven years ago, it took me a game to kind of get used to her style, and that's, Fowler has to figure that out in week two of the NFL, which you know, guys, he's going to get scrutinized for it right on the fly. And I just would tell the audience it's not as simple as it thinks. And I, that's the part that surprised me. At least with Levy, has worked with Orlovsky and Riddick. So, that you know, it, it does take time. It does take – some of it it's just right away. Some of it is right away. No, Like, you know, but some of it it does take time. Okay. Well, I, I definitely wanted to get that perspective on that because, yeah, as much as they change these guys around now – at, uh, Especially it, if they don't hang out with each other, like the, the advantage that Fowler and Herbstreit. Why I'm not, I'm more optimistic than Adam is about Fowler and Herbstreit. I don't think their product, broad college football will take a hit because those two have worked together since 1996, so they know each other inside out to the point where I honestly they could just show up and do a game like blindfolded, which is again why I think that would be better, in my opinion, if they were just stick together and did the NFL games instead of splitting apart. Uh, which is, I think, is a much more challenging uh, part. You know, I've I've worked with analysts because I get to talk to them on a frequent basis, so it's easy to build that chemistry than with somebody that you only see every so often. Yeah, and of course, you know, obviously with their with their A team of Bucket Aikman, they have that already, and you know, they yeah. and in their first season, they brought a lot of cachet back to Monday Night Football. Which well, and that's missing. an example. That's the example, right? Like Aikman wanted Buck. Bunk jumped in part because he didn't want to work with anybody else in the NFL other than Aikman. There was that comfort level, uh, and rightfully so. And those two, obviously, uh, it worked out for them from a financial standpoint. 
Yeah. What do you think of some of the, and again, I'm, I'm not one to always listen to rumors or spread rumors, but there was a lot of talk, uh, or at least some small talk about Aikman being difficult to work with, with some of the ESPN staffers. Think there's any kind of credence to that kind of stuff? I mean, probably, right? I mean, it, 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 that's a, a new analyst coming into his staff. Uh, I think, you know, again, at the, to your point, if the rumors are what they are, I think there, there was some talk about he, he didn't get there very early in the, in the week, showed up kind of late in the, in the week, didn't didn't engage a lot of analysts. And, and look, everyone's got their own personality. If he told me that, you know, that Troy Aikman had a bit of an ego and maybe wasn't the most approachable person in the world. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fall down with shock. Right. Uh, but he's been doing that long enough. You'd think he'd understand sort of what their, what the responsibility was of a lead analyst. So with these things, I typically assume every, every side's a little bit half true, right? There's probably some opportunity for Troy to be a little bit more, um, you know, front facing a little bit more uh, approachable to, to the staff, but there's probably an element of maybe the way he preps it and, and all. And, but if you told me he was surly, I, I wouldn't be like, there's no chance in heck that he's surly. Like, I think if you watch interviews with him, if you've seen him, if you Jeff, you're, you're a Cowboys fan. Like I am, I've heard, I've heard him interviewed hundreds of thousands of times. He can come across surly unless he's talking about his new beer. Then he's really happy. <laughs> Gotta get a can of eight. Well, <laughs> maybe that's the thing. Maybe, you know, unless yeah, you maybe not enough eight in the, in the, in the yeah. booth there. Well, I'll keep in mind troy's done it his way for what 20 some years then he joins a new company so yeah i mean he's not gonna just adjust to certain people right because that crew is probably used to how lewis riddick and orlovsky do they might be totally different than what aikman is that's all about personality like i like chatting with some of the uh, behind the scenes people that kind of feel good but there's others that don't and some would argue that if you chat too much with the behind the scenes people that could backfire on you a little bit because uh, people now all of a sudden th- start thinking, well, why is he talking to this person and not that person? And are you playing favorite? So there's always a lot of innuendo stuff that's going to come out no matter what. And there's probably some envy there. You don't know this guy. He came in. He's making this much money. You know, they, they, these guys are like put in a podium. Uh, it is. you you Again, without knowing behind the scenes stuff. I mean, I've heard I – th- I know Buck and Aikman try to leave right after the game, for example. Some people like to hang out afterwards. Everybody's different. That's just the way it is. I mean, Adam knows this. Trace, as soon as he's done, he's out. He's he's not mingling mm-hmm. with us. You know what I mean? Like us no. people. No. Uh, inside stuff there from Eric on Trace Trocone. Thank you very much. <laughs> on, the ne- on the next on the next episode of the Jeff Allen Sports Talk behind behind the music on around the kingdom. <laughs> uh, there's a whole new there's a whole new show there. It's That's for sure. Yeah, whole new <laughs> show there. Uh, so the other uh, big splash, you know, now I'm not really a, a watcher of NFL pregame shows uh, for the most part, but they've decided, uh, you know, with uh, Susie Calber being part of the layoffs ESPN, Scott Van Pelt will move into the host role on Monday Night Football Countdown. Do you think that is significant? Does it boost that program? What do you think? I mean, full disclosure, I mean, Scott Van Pelt can do no wrong in my eyes. I, I, I think he's just great at what he does. Uh, whatever medium, whatever form it is, if it's radio, if it's sports center, if it's podcast, I think he's always been very, um, uh, I like he's self-deprecating. He's wanting to have some fun. He, you know, he's kind of unapologetically who he is. So I think he brings a little bit of that fun style element to it. Um, I did watch their, their, their sort of pregame show. And there were some, there were some awkward moments a few different times because I think they, their personalities have to learn how to, how to mesh a little bit together. And uh, I think SVP has a very dry and sarcastic sense of humor. 
And if you don't know that, you know, that could come across as maybe being a little bit aggressive at times. So I think that has to gel. I am I'm more likely again, this is just me a, a admitted SVP homer. I will actually probably watch more of that than I ever did before, just because I know SVP is on there and you might might be laugh. You might say something funny, pull an old reference from the SVP and Rosillo day, something that that I'll, I'll remember. And so I'm probably more apt to watch it. I don't know if everybody else will be, though, and not because of him, just because of the time it's on, other things going on in people's lives. I just wonder how much the pregame show really still has a foothold on on viewers, how much that pregame show is really important. Everybody's got Zoom meetings. Everyone got caught. I mean, we're all just basically living minute to minute. How many people really have an hour to watch four people before the game say, whoever tries harder today is going to win? Like, I just don't know <laughs> if that's really a staple of what the sports broadcast landscape will look like going forward. My, I'm a Van Pelt guy, but my concern is, is it too much? Is it too much where he's hosting a pregame show for a couple hours? There, He's doing halftime. Then he's got to do a postgame. He's doing Sports Center. You know, he, he's already gone on record saying that Bad Beats will not be influenced by this. I want to see it. How is the show his because I care about the Van Pelt show. Like, is the money I'm assuming part of the, the, the reason they did this is they want everything on site, right? So the Van Pelt show will be on, on site, I would assume. Uh, everything. But what happened Sunday nights? Because he did a good Sunday night NFL rap show with, you know, usually would have Tim Hasselback on, etc. Does he not do Sunday nights now? Is he still going to do Sunday nights? What happens there? And again, I know they're not going to be on site every Monday night, but is 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 he going to be able to handle a pregame? I mean, I mean, look, he's getting compensated very well. I, I'm not, you know, so nobody throw the violin on him. But I do wonder if this over is it too much? Do we get sat? You know, does he burn? Does he burn himself out a little bit yeah. by doing too That's much? It. And he has said on record he doesn't see himself doing Sports Center yeah. too much longer. So maybe this is his way of transitioning into more hosting stuff than Sports Center. I, I've now termed this uh, as uh, I have an official diagnosis for this, uh, gentlemen. This is world exclusive. We call that the Mike Greenberg syndrome, where he, he hosted NFL countdown or uh, NBA countdown and then did Greeny, his radio show, like eight of like 140 days or something like that. Something ridiculous that. So, and it's a fair point. And I, I usually make fun of Greeny and that's fine. But I do think your point is valid though, Eric, which is how can Van Pelt keep that up? You saw what happened to Greenberg. Now I will tell you this. I think Van Pelt's show being a late night show helps him, right? Greeny had late night NBA, early morning get up. That's probably a tougher turn. So Sports Center being at night maybe helps him. But I do think there's some credence to having having a guy burn out doing all that, all that work, all that travel. Um, again, to your point, like let's not sort of go fund me. But I mean, look, travel's not easy. It's hard on the body after a while, right? Hotels and sleep and time zones and schedules and airplanes and Van Pelt's a tall guy. So I don't know. I could see that burnout effect happening. Yeah. Plus you know, the beauty of his show, he could ad lib, right? He's free flow. You, you know, uh, it could go anywhere. That NFL pregame show is scripted, right? Like, it's tight. Like, is he going to have fun with that? Or is he going to, you know, hey, Ryan Clark, well, what funny. do you think of Dak Prescott? You know? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because the, the, the and I, I found this funny, the crew they gave him, um, Marcus Spears, Robert Griffin, Ryan Clark, I consider those three ad libbers too, right? Like they don't always stick to the script. I mean, Marcus Spears will, will go anywhere at any time, right? He's kind of got a weird, you know, sense of humor. Ryan Clark can certainly get on tangents, and we know RG three is very excitable. Maybe that's what they're going for, Eric. Maybe they want. Maybe it's a Turner like spontaneous approach? conversation, right? Maybe like an NBA, um, you know, uh, TNT situation, right? Maybe they want that spontaneous approach. We'll see if that works out, but maybe that's what they're going for. 
Well, they have that. It's called NFL Live. Uh, Fair. But they didn't pick the host that hosted that's NFL Live. Before, that's not on before a game, Eric. It doesn't count. It only counts if it's on before a game. That's the only time it matters. <laughs> on Tuesday at 4 o'clock, it doesn't count. All right. Okay, so we've broken down the four-letter network uh, pretty heavily now. Let's uh, move over to CBS. And, of course, to what Adam said earlier, do you not think SEC 330 CBS when you hear this? And now, of course, not anymore. Not after this year. Yeah, I mean, now, you know, CBS Sports Network uses it on all their lower-tier games and things like that, but it is... A little odd to hear it with a Big Ten game. I will give. I will give you that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm struggle. I think it was. Was it Indiana? Uh, Ohio, Ohio State, State was on yeah. CBS. Yep. And and I turned it on, and I was like, "Wait, what?" Like it took me a legit second of like, "Why is it on CBS?" And I'm gonna struggle with that. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you because again, I'm a muscle memory guy. I'm gonna hear that music, and I'm gonna go, "Oh, Tennessee and Florida are playing." And when it's you know Purdue and Nebraska, it's gonna be quite a, a shell shock. Or, or- but though then that NBC Saturday night as <laughs> well, like Maryland Charlotte, baby, this Saturday night on NBC. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be different. Of course, uh, Brad Nestler, Gary Danielson continue to be their their number one team uh, as far as that goes, and yeah, it will be a little different. Uh, you know, obviously they'll be doing SEC games this year once that uh, once that schedule fires up. So they'll be doing more of that than the Big Ten. But uh, it definitely was a bit of a shock to the system. I have to agree with you there. I have a hot take on this, uh, gentlemen. Uh, like, I, I think if I'm CBS, I, I wave Sayonara to, to to Brad and Gary. Start fresh. You've you've got a new a new package. You've got new listeners, new audience. Start fresh. Start over. This is essentially a reset for for CBS. I don't think this is what they wanted, but this is what the market bore. Start over. Start fresh. Build some new voices. Build a new brand. You're already gonna. You know, you're almost starting from a little bit of zero anyway. No disrespect to Brad and Gary. Maybe they land someplace else like an NBC. Start fresh. I mean, the cachet of that song that Jeff just played was was SEC. That's that's forever gone. So start new, start fresh, find some new voices, some fresh voices, and, and start over. I'm sure Gary and Brad will land someplace, but I think having <laughs> them now try to limp into the big t- just doesn't feel right to me. It feels like they shouldn't be doing that. If I'm, if I'm CBS, start fresh, new new crew, new audience. Do you change the theme? Ooh, that's a great question. Probably not. Probably Jeez. not. Yeah, yeah just, I don't think they will. No, I don't think they will either. It's a CB. It's such a C iconic CBS yeah, theme. Probably not. I mean, they did use but, that music prior to the SEC. It wasn't like it was built yeah. just for the SEC. It just kind of they've had the SEC so long. I actually think Nestler and Danielson fits the Big Ten mode. You know, Dan, Gary Danielson played in the Big Ten. His style, personality is very much like a Big Ten alum. I actually think they'll adjust well to it. I, no, I, I know. I think they're. I know. This is no shot on those. I think they're fine. They're good broadcasters. They'll do a good job. I just think if I'm CBS and I'm going through what is a a monumental change in terms of how people consume my Saturday football products, you might as well just start fresh, right? You might as well just kind of hit the red Who'd button. You pick? That's a great. I don't know who I would go after, right? I don't. I don't have names there, but you know. I know I throw this out every time. Give, give me like a like a Noah Eagle, right? Give me somebody young, upcoming that you throw well, in the NBC boots. You find a, yeah, well, there you go. You find a new audience and, and you start fresh. I just feel like Gary and, and Brad, again, they're good broadcasters. I think they can they can probably land someplace and they would they'd be fine. Just felt like CBS hit the hit the reset button. It feels like that that fire sale of your favorite team where they're tanking at the end of the year and you might as well just save it for that draft pick and start fresh next year. I feel like that's what CBS should have done. 
I mean, I think if I'm Brad Nessler, I would. I mean, I mean, I would see, like, what am I getting out of this? But I don't know if CBS looks at it as a downgrade going to the Big Ten. I think they feel they're going to get a marquee. They're going to probably get a Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State game every week. That's going to draw numbers. I think they're going to stick with what they have, at least for the short term. I don't disagree. They need to make some changes. I mean, to your point, they should never work a Mountain West game. I couldn't believe last year when they worked a Mountain West game. What what was that was the most bizarre like no to your point um it's weird <laughs> though because Jeff West wow yeah it's just why well and, and I agree with Jeff Allen what's weird about it is they have other crews that they could slide in there like Rich Walsh for example has kind of become the voice of CBS Sports Network would you agree with that Jeff Al would you agree yeah that I think Rich has become the guy he did the tech I believe he did the Texas Tech uh, Wyoming game which probably speaking of weird was that not weird on CBS primetime. And then UCLA San Diego State this weekend is on primetime CBS. What is going on here? <laughs> I mean, I what what is happening? Um, I do think they need some. I think the pregame show needs to refresh and like I I you know, feel free to change some of that. Uh, I don't know though. I I think Nestler and, and Danielson though kind of fit the Big Ten mold. So old people doing football. I think they're that. So I don't you know. I, I think it fits. I think wow. they stay. So you in a two minute span, uh, the the Mountain West and uh, and old people both got run over by Eric Lopez. Wow, <laughs> right, right. unbelievable! Mountain West. Man. Yes, that beeping sound is the backup going over too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the so the so the pregame show. So so you think the Zucker Brian Jones Rick Neuheisel? You know, I mean, they're not really getting a lot of eyeballs on that pregame show in the middle. of Saturday it's afternoon. Early, it's not what it was when Brando hosted it, right? Spencer yeah. Tillman, and they used to have Craig James and Lou Holtz. Archie like, Manning, yeah. yeah. Right, like, oh, Archie, yeah, like, do something different. Um, you know, at least NBC will get to them. At least they've brought in some Big Ten people to, to, to for their Big Ten coverage. They might want to consider doing that themselves if you're CBS. Uh, you know, like Rick Neuheisel. What is Rick Neuheisel in Big Ten? I, I, I would do a change there. I mean, bring our boy Danny Cannell in there. He's, I know he's now part of the CBS Sports Network family. Just bring him into the CBS or somebody new. David Pollock's out there. Get him some work. Yeah. Yeah. So another one of their teams is Tom McCarthy uh, with uh, Jason McCourty. He'll also work with Ross Tucker. I like Ross Tucker. I kinda, yeah, I, I always enjoy when he does a game. He brings a lot of great enthusiasm to the broadcast, I think. Well, they're, they're doing NFL as well. Yes. And Ross Tucker is doing, like, everything. My goodness, I can't avoid him. <laughs> I put on the radio. He's on Westwood One doing football. He's on shows. I mean, that guy, give him credit. He knows where to find the microphone. Props <laughs> to him. Good stuff on he's, that. He's doing something with DraftKings, too. I turned on DraftKings the other day. He was on, he was on there saying. doing He's everywhere, Adam. He's like, co-hosting Dan Patrick or filling in on Dan Patrick. He's everywhere. Yeah, he's, he gets around. I'm Good expecting job. him to be like your co-host one of these weeks. He's coming up on the Suns UCF Live. Adam <laughs> and Ross Tucker <laughs> this week. <laughs> Tune in. Oh, gosh. Um, anything else notable from CBS College coverage uh, that uh, – well, I do like the Mountain West coverage uh, with Rich. Oh, Walsh. now you're a Mountain West fan. <laughs> no, I said I don't want Brad and Gary doing it beneath them. Okay, All but right, give it to Rich, Rich Waltz. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a fan of Rich doing it, and then good to see Carter Blackburn again doing play by play. I'm off from the profession. Uh, he's back in the fold there, and I wish I would just get more Dave Ryan. I'm, I mean, I'm a little biased because I've worked with Dave Ryan as a spotter when he used to do UCF games here. 
I'd like to see him do more relevant games than like select army games and stuff. Like whatever. Like can we do better than that? Come on. Yeah, like, he he has a I actually. He has I a movie other like the Yeah, I will say this: this fight, and again, I've had this cable dispute, so I've watched a lot of CBS Sports Network <laughs> in the recent days. I actually like their studio shows over there. I actually like what they're doing over there. Yeah, with Brett Stover and New Heisel and Randy. Cry- I actually like what they're doing there, and uh, and and the way they cover college football. The problem they have is they don't have all they have is the Mountain West. I think they have CUSA. Maybe I don't. I mean. So you're not going to go out of your way to watch them because they don't have marquee games, but it seems like they're they're using some of them now to plug in on CBS College Football there, like they did this past uh, first couple of weekends yeah. with Mountain West games on the yeah, podcast. Those the, the they do some good shows during the week on CBS Sports yeah. Network yeah. too. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. So yeah, agree. All right, so uh, let's switch over to the uh, NFL side for CBS. And, of course, on our last podcast, Eric and I tried to fire most of the CBS analysts because <laughs> we couldn't remember who was there. Uh, Adam, do you remember who we tried to let go? I, I think we let go of Bailey, Trent Green, Jay Feely, yeah. maybe Adam Archuleta. I think all You got all three of them. Three got, of them. Yeah. <laughs> Good okay, job. Perfect. perfect. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So... They're still there, so... <laughs> Spoiler alert, <laughs> none of that happened. Eric and I did not get our way as far as that goes. So, uh, uh, obviously, Dance and Romo are the A-team. Is this a pivotal year for Tony Romo, now that he has gone from the wonder child to being pretty heavily criticized? And, you know, there was talk there was an intervention last year, Um I don't know. Where, where, where do you guys stand on Romo as he moves into this season? I mean, p- pivotal how, right? Like CBS isn't going to, isn't going to can him, right? They, they, right? They've invested a lot of money in him, right? He's not going anywhere. So it's only pivotal in the sense of, of us diehards and fans who are going to start to turn on him and get on social media. And he's going to become sort of the new punching bag. Right. But in terms the of new Phil Sims and his contract, <laughs> yeah, essentially, right. Like the, um, you know, he, he's going to become the punching bag on social media, but I don't, I don't think CBS is going to be like, well, it's time to get rid of Romo. I think he's going to stick around for a period of time. I, I found it interesting. He, he had comments. I forgot who he, who he was talking to. So I, I can't attribute them accordingly, but he essentially addressed this and said, yeah, everybody has comments. Everybody has opinions. You know, I'm working as hard as I ever have. So that tells me he he's heard it. Either he's heard it from his bosses, from his peers, from his colleagues, or from, you know, just from fans in general. So I'm curious to see if that's something that he takes hold of this year and and tries to get back to a spot. And I think the challenge is going to be, look, he started off in such a really odd space and it was so unique that he's never going to get back to that level, right? Like if you start off at a 10, he's never going to get back to that level 10. But I think last year he was at like a six, right? I think you need Tony Romo at eight, eight and a half. I think that's his sweet spot. Can he find a way to kind of elevate himself? And I think the biggest knock on him, at least in my opinion, watching last year, I don't know if you all agree. We talked about this before. I just felt like he wasn't prepared for games. He wasn't prepared for games and his, his analysis turned into screaming and yelling and making funny noises. And while that's, that's, that's cute for a while, that's not going to last for a 17, 18 game season. So is he going to be able to actually provide some production while also having some of that free will spirit? Because you can't just yell and scream and grunt every time there's a catch and go, Jim, I don't know. Like that's not going to work for 18 straight weeks. You're going to have to find some context. Can he find that context that he had in year one? I think that's the part if there's something pivotal, Jeff, it's is is 
can that come back? Can he recapture some of that actual analytical perspective that he provided early in his career? Well, and it's a Super Bowl year. That's why it is there, there'll be more eyeballs this year because it is a Super Bowl year for them. So there'll be more scrutiny from that standpoint leading into the Super Bowl and then how they perform in the Super Bowl. What happens if the, you know, the Super Bowl is a blowout? What happens, you know, they haven't had a good Super Bowl, the two they've done. You know, I, I'm not as negative on Romo as others are, but I think what's happened is, you know, Greg Olson has done a good job and he could be potentially a free agent. Who knows what happens down the road with him? You got Aikman in the mix. You got Collinsworth. I mean, this is a strong year uh, depth from an analyst standpoint. So I think there is some pressure on Romo with all the hype and Nance uh, from that standpoint of, okay, are they are they really, you know, we thought after year one, they could be the Madden, and, you know, some are all Madden of the next generation for CBS. Is that still the case? Or is there going to be like, yeah, they're all right, but, you know, type of deal. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It is a Super Bowl year. There'll be more scrutiny on it. One of the things that doesn't help them, they do a lot of Chiefs games. So I wonder if that – sometimes you get too kind of careless, right? Like, all oh, you're doing – you're used to doing these Mahomes games, and then, oh, here's Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. Is he going to be willing to do the Jags content? Or he's like, ah, eh, it's the Jags. You know, I think we'll see what happens with him. Uh, from that standpoint uh, with him and Nance. And uh, if both of them, you know, the interesting thing is Nance doesn't have college basketball anymore. So he has more time off. So does that rejuvenate him as well from a football standpoint? I know he still does the golf. Uh, It'll be interesting. It's a Super Bowl year in Vegas. I do think there's a little more scrutiny from that standpoint, but I do agree with Adam. It's not like they're going to get rid of him if it doesn't go well. Yeah, I mean, well, look how long they held him to Phil Sims. I mean, it just wow. <laughs> I know there's a Phil anti Phil Sims here on this. Uh, He's, not He's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> so yeah, so that it'll be interesting to see uh, how 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 he takes that. Yeah, will he will he elevate above last year's performance? And yeah, I think there's something to be said if yeah if he was doing a lot of one team, you know, maybe maybe a coast a little right just. Out of out of out of you know nature. Who knows? Um, looking at the rest of the CBS roster, so besides the fact they didn't fire all the people that we tried to get fired, uh, <laughs> boy, they've got they're very insistent on the three man booth. So they got three of them. So I'm wondering what the attraction is to that, and specifically where my concern is, you know. So Matt Ryan is on that with Tiki Barber. So they're they're sharing that analyst role. And I'm not saying Jason Witten would have would have been a great analyst, but when they paired him with Booger McFarlane, Booger McFarlane hogged the mic. So you never know if Jason Witten was going to be any good or not. I can almost sense that happening with Tiki Barber. That would be my concern with with, with that team. And I thought that Ryan in, in the preseason game he did. I thought he I thought he stood out pretty well. Yeah. I feel like they did these three-man boobs, Jeff, just because they didn't want to fire anybody because they heard us firing everybody else. They're like, we don't want to get rid of anybody. We're just going to pair them up together. They're the opposite ring. Uh, that crew is the most interesting one because I was a huge Catalan Lofton fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Same. Which Adam probably got a lot of them because they did it. Felt, it felt like they did a ton of Jaguar games over the years. Right? Yeah, the beach house <laughs> together uh, on, on the beach. Yeah, I've seen it. Right? 
And I actually, I'm a big Catalan fan. Like, if if you you know, to Adam's idea, if you wanted to blow up and start over the CBS College Football, he would be a name I would throw out there. Yeah, as yeah. a lead voice because I think his energy and his enthusiasm would fit the college game. I think. I just don't know how this works. To your point, Jeff, Tiki Barber talks for a living. He's got a radio show now in New York. I think he's a uh, drive time now. I want to say WFAN. I yes. think he's taking over. Matt Ryan's the rookie, and as rookies, you tend to defer more. And it, you know, I never thought of Matt Ryan as a very outspoken person to begin with. Um, so I do have the biggest question about this crew and how it fits. And is it? It was it too? Is it too much? Uh, I don't know. It's a very good question. Uh, I don't have a problem with Catalan getting that Greg Gumble slot, which is basically what we're talking about here. They obviously kept the top three, rightfully so, with the Nance and Romo, and then Ian Eagle and Charles Davis, and then you have. Kevin Harlan uh, is the number three there. I just wonder, is it too much with those three? Like, to your point, we'll see how Catalan handles that three-man booth style. Because uh, I'm trying to remember, has he ever worked with a three-man booth? Because he has Lapis on the basketball side when he does college hoops. We'll see. That's the biggest question I have from a CBS standpoint, is how is that crew going to fare uh, and will it gel or will it be – remember that was that weird year that Greg Gumble had Bruce Arians and uh, who was the third person in that one that year? Was it yeah. Trent Green? It might have been Green? Trent Green, Trent yeah. Might have been. Wasn't that weird? It was weird because, like, like, Bruce at times was good, but you kind of felt like they were – you know, they were all kind of separate. It was just a weird tandem. I wonder if we're headed for one of those. And plus, are we sure Matt Ryan's retired? We're good? Are we Ooh. sure? Yeah, we're not. I don't think we're sure about that. So if he's not, my, my, my concern there, real quick, and I'll, if he's not, if we don't know if he's 100% retired, is he willing to criticize anybody? Yeah, great, great question. I, I thought it was just a weird pairing. Like, typically when you and, – and that was a great example um, that you talk about Jason Witten and Berger McFarland. That didn't feel like a good pairing to begin with. They didn't have any history together. You know, they hadn't played together. They weren't teammates together. Uh, and so that it feels like a really weird pairing. Matt Ryan and Tiki Barber wouldn't appear to have a whole lot of connection – um, you know, from their from their playing days, from their college days. So, what's their relationship like? And I know it's a way different experience. So I'm not I'm not trying to uh, to compare the two specifically, but you look at what they do with the Manning cast, and and I think Eli is much more comfortable because he's working with his brother. If you did the Manning cast with Jeff Allen and Eli Manning, it probably wouldn't be as comfortable because he doesn't know Jeff Allen and there would be an issue there. So I think that's a little bit where the the Matt Ryan Tiki Barber thing comes into play for me. And that's the first thing I thought of, Eric, is why the three-man booth? Because there's concern that Matt Ryan may leave. And so you don't put him with a with a solo booth because now you've got to fill a spot. So if Matt Ryan gets a call from Arizona in week four to to go be their quarterback, now you've just got a two-man booth and you're good to go. So that was my thought on why they went that route. Because um, I, I want to say that was kind of the plan Fox had with Jake Cutler when he signed that contract and then went to Miami. Right. It was going to be a three-man booth. I feel like that's always that first year protection booth, just in case this guy decides he wants to go back. We we better we better have an out. So I, that that was my thought on that. But I think Tiki and him are are weird pairing, and I'm more curious. Obviously, I'm a Cowboys fan, not a not a Giants fan. Um, will <laughs> Will Tiki Barber and I think you said this a little bit earlier, Elo. Will Tiki Barber see this as his? his last opportunity to to grab what he thought was rightfully his when he, reti- when he retired. If you remember, he was the it guy. He was on Today Show. He was going to be what Michael Strahan actually turned out to be 
Tiki. That was what Tiki Barber was supposed to be. And for whatever reason, off the field stuff, stuff in his personal life, it didn't work out that way. Does he see this as his last opportunity to get back to maybe where he thinks he deserves? And if that's the case, Matt Ryan better watch out because Tiki's going to want to hog the mic. He's going to want to show that. And so I'm curious if that ends up working out again. I'm not trying to besmirch Tiki Barber, but this may be his last opportunity on this kind of stage. You know what would have been interesting? They did Fox did this a couple years ago. They paired Tiki and Rondé Barber together. And I thought that was good because they're brothers, but they also play completely different positions. Tiki's a running back. Rondé's a, the, the, obviously the quarterback. So they bring different perspectives, and I thought that would be a better fair. And the, the other issue I have with this pairing is you got two offensive guys. So who's going to pick up the slack? And I know that as an analyst, you got to do both sides. But I, 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 I want, if you're going to do a three-man booth, you know, I, I think the Barbers together would have been a lot more interesting pairing with Catalan than Matt Ryan. But to your point, Adam, they, they might just – this might be like a feeling out thing with Matt Ryan until we see what he has. And like I said, in case he gets signed – you know, he might get signed week eight by the Dolphins if two is out for the year. You know, we don't know. Yeah, what I find interesting too is like, you know, they paired, you know, Tiki with Andrew Catalan. They moved James Lofton. They put him in a three-man booth. Why didn't they just keep Lofton and Catalan together and add Matt Ryan to that mix? You know, that would have made more sense. That makes too much sense, Jeff. That makes too (laughs) much sense. (laughs) Look, you you guys fired a bunch of people. I I, I, I love your perspective on this, Eric. So, would like I, I was just reading today NFL Network announced a couple of new guys and one of them is Chase Daniel the the journeyman backup quarterback who's made like seventy million dollars and taken like <laughs> ten snaps in his entire career right he's now on on the NFL Network is it easier as a first time analyst Eric in your opinion to to go into a booth like Matt Ryan or to go into a studio like Chase Daniel like what's the easier play that's a great question right like I think traditionally it used to be you started out in the studio then worked yourself to the booth but networks now are so fast to rush into stuff i think it depends on the personality too like you know sean payton only did studio last year he never did he never went in the booth uh but then you got people like greg olson who went right to the booth it it varies uh like i personally think tom brady would actually be better in the in the studio than in the booth but you're paying them a ton of money. You're going to put them in the booths and people want to be in the broadcast site. So I think each person's different in that role. Remember Tiki tri- was in the studio at one point yeah. and what sure, backfired yeah. on him. He was critical of Eli Manning and it blew up on him because Eli won the Super Bowl. And they're like, how could he turn on a teammate? And it was, it was just a lot of drama. And that kind of what set him back uh, a little bit there. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's an interesting point. I would, I mean, to me, I would rather start in the studio first because then you're only doing little segments versus I got to do a three-hour broadcast. But some people are natural at this stuff too. So, again, each person's different. Uh, I agree with Jeff Allen, though. Just put keep Lofton in with Catalan, throw in Matt Ryan. I actually think that would have been a better broadcast team. But it's not as big of a cachet. So you're trying to, you know, Tiki Barber's a bigger cachet than James Lofton. Is, who's the cachet there? Is it is it Tiki or is it Matt Ryan? They would tell you both. Yeah. They would tell you both. That's the thing. It'd be about Whereas, even, right? Yeah. And I, I think Lofton, don't know. It's a coin flip for me. Yeah. yeah. I think it's right. I think it's fifty fifty. And then they got Lofton paired up with who? Uh McCarthy and Jay Feely. That's I'm a, glad Feely's yeah. got employed. <laughs> so does that mean Jay does that mean Felix still gets to do the most bizarre gig that nobody else does, where he, he joins in, in the playoffs with Nance and Romo? To give the kicker perspective, 
Jay, what do you think? Is it well, how's the wind down there? I always feel it's like the most awkward role. Like I actually like that role. I actually think that's funny because it is a, such a niche, unique item. I actually don't mind him doing that. I mean, you fired him, and I'm glad he's back and he survived the carnage. But but how does I, I don't that work? That. How does that work from a negotiations? Hey, part of your nego- part of your gig is you got to work this game and tell us yeah. what a kicker's thinking. Like, how much is that worth? What? How often are you going to that? What happens if it's thirty-five to three? At that point, the kicker's meaningless. Like, what are we doing? Like, it's just a weird. Spot. Then you go to the like, punters, Eric. Go to the punters. <laughs> like, it's, it'd be one thing. It'd be one thing if he was doing sideline reporting and like, hey, here's. But they don't know. They don't use him as a sideline guy. He's a kicker specialist guy. It was yeah. just kind of wild to me. So I'm happy we'll get that back for the Super Bowl this year. I know we all <laughs> want that. Sounds like it. <laughs> oh gosh! And then the other three man booth they have, uh, and of course, uh, I think this summer was the first time we'd ever, ever heard the name Chris Lewis. Although I did hear him do some college football Saturday, it sounded pretty good actually. But he's with uh, Jason McCordy and the man who is everywhere, Ross Tucker. So the first thought I had when I saw this was, was this the guy that did the UCF FAU game last year on CBS Sports? That was my literally my first thought. Did he was the, was he the play by play guy? that worked with Danny Cannell for the UCF FAU game. And I don't have a 100% answer on that yet. I don't, yeah, I don't recall. I don't remember either. Yeah. So I, I good for him. Um, good for Ross Tucker. Uh, it's kind of wild uh, that they got that slot. Here's the thing. If you're Brad Nessler, I know, to, to Adam's point earlier, would you rather be doing Big Ten football, Ohio State, Indiana, or would you rather be doing an NFL game? I, to oh. me, if I'm Brad Nessler, maybe like maybe that's the move. If I'm Brad, like really, we're gonna let this Chris Lewis guy take an NFL game? Like I could do NFL. Like what? What are we doing here? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. And of course, we haven't talked about the number two team, of course, which is Ian Eagle and Charles Davis, which you know could easily be a one, right? Well, and then that's where the some of the pressure, quote unquote, comes, right? Like some people feel Ian Eagle should be there. Now, Ian Eagle will be the voice of college basketball this upcoming season. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how he handles that with the NFL, the NBA stuff. But yeah, I think everybody likes them with Evan Washburn there as the, as the sideline. I think that's a solid number two. And I'm trying to think probably the best number two team right now in the NFL. I, 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 do you, would you guys agree with that? Or do you have another, like, if you don't put the number ones, take out the number ones on each network, who's the best broadcast team after that? I think a lot of votes would go to Eagle and Davis, no? Yeah, I think you're right on that. Yeah, I, I've always liked Charles. Yeah, I think so. I've always really thought Charles Davis was underrated. I think that's probably where I, I wouldn't go to the ESPN side. And, and and Fox, I still think, is figuring some of that out. So you're probably right, Eric. Yeah, when Burkhardt and Olsen were the number two team, that probably would have been a coin flip, maybe. maybe. Yeah. But, right. Uh, right. but for sure, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that assessment of that. Anything else from CBS's NFL perspective before we move on? Do they still have a hundred people on the pregame show? God, I think they I, did, didn't they add JJ Watt. Oh, they did. That's yeah. right. Oh, Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. That, that and that's a that's a to me a, a, a pregame show that just like feels like death. It just... Well, you but but the problem is we're going to see that pregame show for twenty four hours straight on from Vegas on Super Bowl Sunday, so it is kind of important this year 
for you know, we talked about Romo and Nance. That that pregame will get under some scrutiny too, because we're gonna, Lord knows, we're gonna see a lot of them yeah. uh, during the Super Bowl. There. Uh, the other question I have, you know, Noah Eng- uh, uh, Eagle did the Nickelodeon NFL game for CBS. The last, does he still get to do that this year? With because they they announced that the Nickelodeon will have a Super Bowl version of the broadcast. Does he still get to call that? Does Ian Eagle, his dad, get to who's calling that? Yeah, I, you know, that's a burning question uh, that uh, will keep me we up at night. We need to get night. to the bottom of this. <laughs> um, you know, I think the way things work nowadays, guys crossing networks isn't as uncommon as it used to be. So, well, I'm just saying, if you're not happy with Romo, you can just flip over to Nickelodeon and see somebody get splashed. With, yeah, you know, I like fine. it. I like it. And uh, Eric, I can confirm Chris Lewis was the broadcaster for UCF FAU. All right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's what I remembered. How it's weird that it all comes back to UCF. Yeah. This according to Underdog Dynasty, FYI. I'll tell you, UCF games are the place you want to start your career. Dan Orlovsky's first game was in was doing a UCF Connecticut football game. And yep. he's done well for himself since when he did that game with Clay Madvick. And now we have this Chris Lewis did a UCF FAU game. And now a year later, he's doing NFL games. It's what a world. The springboard to greatness, if you will. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's switch over to Fox, and we'll talk about their uh, college football offerings. And, of course, uh, they're kind of important to us now because they do a lot of Big 12. So that's uh, that's going to be uh, a lot of viewing that we'll be uh, partaking with that. And, of course, their number one team, Gus Johnson. And why am I blanking all of a sudden? Joe Clatt. Joe Clatt. Thank you. Goodness gracious. Brain fade there. Yeah, so uh, they're the number one team. Tim Brando, Spencer Tillman, the number two team, pretty solidly entrenched there. And, of course, uh, they had changes on the big noon kickoff uh, this season. So they, uh, they of course, got Chris Felica. Uh, and then they also, to the bewilderment of Eric Lopez, Mark Ingram? What? <laughs> And nothing says big noon kickoff than, you know, Alabama running back, uh, Mark Ingram, um, who apparently rode all, it came in on a horse in his debut on Saturday. Um, so I watched some of this. Yes. Give us the lowdown. Cause we were watching ESPN. So as everybody else was, uh, I would have as well, if I had ESPN at the time, which I did not because of cable dispute, it's become game day junior. It's game day light is what that show is. It's game day light. In that it's all the pomp and sense and all this, but they're focusing on their games. Basically, they they'll try they're trying to touch on other conferences like the SEC, but you can tell it's not as authentic. Um, the interesting thing is, I know everybody hates Urban Meyer, but from an X's and O standpoint, just from a television standpoint, he is very good at breaking down the X's and O's and what a team's got to do. If you just forget all the off the field stuff. That's why he's still there. And I think he makes that show watchable. I really don't care what Matt Leinart has to say uh, or Brady Quinn. Why do we have all these quarterbacks? Uh, and it's going to be interesting. You know, they're doing the show and they do the games from the noon slot site. It is what it is. They're trying to take some of the share. And look, they're, do, they're, they're doing decent numbers overall. You know, they've added Chris Felica. I mean, that's an obvious move for the game day. They're trying to add the betting side of it. Um, you know, they have celebrities there. As well. So it's basically a game day ripoff to some extent. Uh, we'll see. I don't like it only because they're, they're pretty much going to go to a Big Ten town every 
market, basically. Uh, maybe sprinkle in a Big 12 here and there. I mean, yes, there's a possibility down the road that they could be at a UCF game, and that could be really awkward for Adam and us to figure out which which big noon guy do we try. We're all going to fight for Rob Stone to be on the show. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, as far as the booth, Gus, and, I think Clatt's really good. I think Clatt's gotten good. I actually like Clatt. Yeah. And I think Jenny Taft's good. I'm a Gus fan, but I like Gus more in the NFL than college. I feel like Gus feels he has to overcompensate in college. Like he's he's doing the Colorado. First of all, they, they, they made it sound like Colorado had not won a game in three decades, which I can understand that. <laughs> but they actually did win a games or two. And Gus kept alluding to that they're beating the national championship runner-up in TCU. Well, TCU, that's not the same team it was last year. Gus, like, settle down, settle down. Uh, there. So he tries to overcompensate a little bit. I would prefer he would do NFL. Um, but, you know, they, they have him doing it with Clatt. Clatt's very good, though. I, I do like Clatt. Uh, that's the guy, actually, I would fight for with you guys to get on the podcast if he ever does a UCF game, which will probably be not this year. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, maybe never because, you know, they'll be in Columbus, Ohio every other week or in Ann Arbor. But um, I, I think Clatt's very good, and I think that he makes that number one team pretty good. Well, you mentioned Rob Stone. That's interesting. You know, and he hosts everything, everything at Fox. I mean, is he overexposed? I mean, I like him. I think I think he's very good and he's very solid. But boy, he is he is on your TV screen a lot. <laughs> yeah, he, he hosts it all. I, I agree with that. As much as Joel Klatt got a little mouthy with UCF fans back in the day, I do think he is a really solid analyst. I like the way he breaks the game down. Very simple. You know, very easy to digest, you know, isn't over the top. I think I, Gus is Gus is bordering on like the the caricature of Gus line for me. Mm. Like at some point, it's almost like a little bit too much. Like we're we're too much in the Buffalo Wild Wings commercial and not enough in the football. Like I, I think he can bring that back in, but he borders that line for me at times where it's kind of like, all right, is this is this shtick? I'm going to say this right now. This is going to be a, maybe my third hot take of the, of the, uh, of the evening here. The big noon kickoff. They have a chance to to win me. They have a chance because if they're going to talk UCF and if they're going to be involved in a UCF game, be at the site of a UCF, UCF game, and Eric, I know that's a that's a long shot for a while maybe, but they have a chance to to get me to switch over and watch their product, which I probably would never do any time outside of that. And if they do a decent job and they're going to devote time each week to talking about UCF, if UCF's getting good, they have a chance to to win me for a period of time to maybe maybe it's on the repeat button, right? Maybe I've got the remote in hand and I'm hitting the button. Right now, the, the remote's over here and I'm watching game day. But they have a chance to get me to put that remote in my hand to potentially slip uh, switch over and see what they're doing. They have a chance. Now, once I get there, to your point, Eric, I need Brady Quinn to be quiet. I need Matt Leinert. Yes, you have great hair. We all love it, but I need something more out of you. Urban Meyer. He better be good at X's and O's because if not, there's no other reason to have him on that panel with all the other baggage he has. And uh, and Mark Ingram can get right the heck off. But if they have a chance to win me, if they can figure this out, they they have a, they have a chance. They have a chance. Well, it, I think that's going to be an interesting underlining storyline with both game day and Big Noon kickoff. You know, Big Ten's going to get a lot of talk on both on, on Big Noon. You know, SEC is going to get a lot of talk on game day, etc. What? How does the Big Twelve fit? to both shows, considering both networks will still be carrying Big 12 football games, especially next year. I think this year both are going to talk about it, but it's going to be a lot of Oklahoma and Texas talk. Next year is the year that I'm more interested to see how that vibes 
And how how often, for example, does a Big 12 game land on Big Noon kickoff instead of a Big 10 game? Now, they picked a Cincinnati game against Oklahoma for a Big Noon kick, for example. So that might be the week right there that we might find out. I was holding out hope for Baylor-UCF, and then Baylor did a nice job not showing up against Texas State. So that, that went out the window, perhaps. But moving forward, to your point, uh, uh, Adam, is how do they address the Big 12 and UCF in particular, not just this year, but next year in their coverage will be very interesting. Do they treat them with uh, equal, you know, hey, this is very interesting, or they're like, oh, by the way, here's this other Godfreds. You know, here, give him a give him a little two minute segment. We'll see. It's a valid question. And of course, you can thank a former UCF coach for ruining the Baylor UCF thing for you. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, Coach Kenny. I was yeah. hoping. I was hoping Baylor UCF game day or, or something big new. But yeah. Well, and of course, and now we know that that uh, that Adam is for sale. Uh, when it comes to uh, Saturday morning pregame, if if there's a there's he could a- be had, folks. Guess get book him. Yeah. What he really wants is he wants to be a celebrity guest picker, and and whichever show books them to I'm be available. a celebrity. Yeah, yeah. I, I can probably work that. I'm available. Yeah, yeah. Get, get you about, by the way, so Benetti and Hewart, right? The number two there. You got Brando and Tillman. I mean, I know. I think they're Jeff. You're what? They're both like even twos. I think. You're. I mean, how how? I mean, you're waiting on Brando. When, uh, coming down to the bounce house. Oh, point, Brando right? comes like, down here. Yeah, uh, that's. Yeah. Are you are you getting a are you getting a, are you racing to the press box, Jeff Allen? I probably I, pr- I probably will. Yeah. It'll <laughs> it, it, it'll this will this will be like you and Nance. Ooh. Oh, wow. <laughs> Except I feel like you might get access to Tim Brown, but it's fair. Um, the one thing I will say, and I, I, if you're on FS1, and we're well, this is the second week UCF will be on FS1. A lot of the FS1 broadcasts are remote. Uh, Eric Collins and company did the game last week remotely. They're doing the game at Boise. Apparently, it's going to be remote again. Uh, I've written, I'm, I've actually writing about that on Black Eagle Banneret. That'll be a, hopefully out soon. Uh, there. What's your guys' thoughts on that? The remote broadcast because Fox still does that for their FS1 telecast. I hate it. I think it's uh, we're we're beyond that period of time where it needed to be done. Right. So, you know, if how much money are they really saving in that regard? I mean, that's I don't know. I I just don't. I just think it's more. I want the authenticity of the of the broadcast team being on site more than anything else. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. And and uh, I yeah, I will join you on the soapbox for that, Eric. <laughs> yeah, in, in a in a post um, pandemic lockdown environment, I think not being on site for a live event is just just weird, right? I think it, it loses a bit of a vibe. And and I wonder how um I wonder how Brett Yormark and the Big Twelve feel about that. Feel about their games getting that is there something does the conference call and go, hey, like what what's the like what's the deal? You can't you're they, I think they did the game in Charlotte, if I heard that right, Eric. This I mean yeah, it's Charlotte like a, Studio, which I was thrown it's off. Like a, by. It's an hour ten plane ride down to Orlando. Yeah. Like it isn't like they were in like Spokane, Washington. It was like, hey, that's a six hour track. There was an hour down the road. Um, so I, I wonder if the Big Twelve makes a call at some point and says, hey, what's 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 the deal here? We can't get can't get people on site for our games because I, I agree with Jeff. It kind of loses the authenticity, and I and I think it's funny that and and the reason why I think I I know that, although I know that I know that, but I think that I know that is because they don't really address it. 
right? Like if it was no big deal, they'd be like, hi, we're uh, Eric and Jeff and we're live here at the studio in Charlotte where we're going to like, they don't address it. So they want you to think they're there, which shows you the network realizes that you, the viewer knows there's value if you're on site versus if you're in some antiseptic studio in Charlotte. Yeah, I totally with you on that. And, you know, yeah, there was a period of time when, when it needed to be done and I, and I totally get that, but, uh, but we're well beyond that now. And yeah, I, I agree with both of you. I think what they will counter the devil's advocate is we know we're not going to get a big viewership for this particular slot on FS1. So why why not save some money when you're only going to get maybe 300, 400,000 people watching? Okay. That's what they would probably tell you. All I'm right. not saying I agree with it. I'm just bringing the other side of it. Well, you know, my solution would be is like, okay, you know, why don't you have regional broadcasters in place? We could call Eric Lopez in. To do uh, do the game on FS1, right? I got no. I won't have any qualms with that. There yeah, bring that I mean, up to Tim Brando when you talk to him. Will you? <laughs> Give him my number. <laughs> yeah. So there, there we go on that. So, uh, all right, now let's uh, switch things over to the NFL side of Fox. Another iconic theme that makes you think Sunday afternoon for sure. All right. So looking at Fox, uh, the big story. To me, as Tom Brady will not be doing games this year, he's taken the year off. And, of course, Greg Olson was the number one analyst uh, last season. By all accounts, he crushed the job. And by all accounts, I think uh, he he hit, hit it big on the big stage at the Super Bowl. So, as Eric mentioned, you know, he may have uh, at least created a road for his future, whether it's at Fox or somewhere else as uh, Tom Brady takes the year off before he decides to move into the broadcast booth. So let's talk about the Burkhart Olsen team uh, to start off with. Uh, what are your thoughts? Solid team. I think I agree with you, Jeff. I think you saw uh, Olsen really grow as the postseason went on. I think he got a lot of positive uh, mojo. I think that, 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 that duo really kind of gelled together and, you know, Eric talked earlier about how the importance of uh, broadcaster play by play person really getting, you know, reps together, getting in sync. I think you see that with those two now. I think they've hit their stride. And I don't, this is hot take number seven for me tonight. I don't think Tom Brady ever steps foot in that booth. I, I don't, I don't think, I think one of you had that as a hot take last time we had that we had this round table. I, I don't think Tom Brady stepped foot, steps foot in the booth. I think it's too much other stuff with buying the Raiders. He's buying a soccer team. You know, he's got a production company now. I, I, I don't, I don't think Tom steps in that booth. I think, I think this ends up being the number one team at Fox. I think they luck into essentially finding a really good tandem for the next, you know, whatever, five, 10 years, however long they can keep him under contract. My thing is, why doesn't Fox just say that already? Just say, hey, this is our team. We're moving forward with it. Tom, don't worry about it. Maybe we could do something else. I think it's disrespectful how they kind of let this linger. Mm-hmm. Like he's proven himself. Uh, and now we're going through another year where he's going to ha- – I mean, I just watched him do an interview with a sport, another sports media podcast. Everybody's doing sports media podcasts nowadays. But – he had to answer Tom Brady questions again. He's going to get asked about Tom Brady, and it's just so bizarre and awkward. And you've got a good team going, and yet Fox is like, yeah, Brady will start whatever, whatever. Like, it's really hard. What are you going to do if Brady actually does step in the booth? Are you going to move Greg to the number two? You're going to demote him? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, this whole st- – I've never remember a story like this in broadcasting where – 
a guy is still in the shadow of somebody else who's never done a game before. Yeah, he's a lame duck. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, he's, and it's just weird. The only person that's benefiting from this is Daryl Johnston because he is still the number two guy somehow by some miracle because he's a cowboy. And if you're a Dallas cowboy, you have to be on a, on a marquee broadcast team, apparently. That's a rule of an NFL broadcasting. But that's the part that I don't get. Like, you're right. They passed. The, I can understand last year, hey, you don't know how they're going to be receptive to it. But you're right. They were good. And now they're going into a second year and they have another strong year. You're going to pull them apart? I don't get it. Yeah, that's a it's 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 a big conundrum, and yeah, I I agree with you. It's like yeah, why are why are why are we just letting this dangle in the wind? It, it makes it makes no sense. And the only thing I can think is is you know, you you can't say no to the goats, right? Like I feel like this is one where Fox can't be the one that says no, Tom Brady, we don't want you, like. And I, that to me, that's the only reason that this isn't isn't addressed. I think if this was Tiki Barber, like, hey, sorry, thanks for coming out, kid, but we, we're we're good with our booth. I think it's because it's Tom Brady. You don't say no to the goats. You don't say no to Brady, Michael Jordan, right? You don't say no to those. So I think Fox doesn't want to be the one that says no to Brady. But my maybe behind the scenes, they recognize that Brady's not as all in as they thought, which is why they can kind of just kind of like play it cool. But I feel like this is one where, for publicly, you can't go, hey, no, we told Tom Brady, never mind. I feel like that's just not well, something they want to do. Do you think Brady doesn't have no interest in doing studio? Like, do you think Brady went to him like it's either booth or no booth? Like, because my thing is, why not just put him in the booth in the uh, studio role? Like, to me, I think Brady would excel in the in the studio. I think it would enhance the studio show. I think it would bring some interest in the studio. You keep Olsen in the booth. I think that would be a win-win for everybody. I know they overpaid for it, and that's part of the problem is they spent all this money because I think they panicked. I think they panicked when Buck and Aikman left and they felt pressure to add a marquee name when they just had the guy there. So I don't know. I, why can't we just put Brady in the, in the studio role? Yeah. That's my question. Well, and, and that's a, they, my, another pregame show that is, needs though, new blood too. <laughs> well, well, my guess though is as how often do we talk about who's going to do the pregame show for the Super Bowl, right? Like we're always talking about who the announcers are. And I think when you're a star quarterback, you're one of the best of all time. You have an ego, right? Like you don't want to be the the third banana on, on the Nate Burleson, Bill Cower, um, you know, ship to nowhere, right? You want to be the, the, the play-by-play and the color voice of the Super Bowl. That's my, that's my guess, Eric. And why from an ego standpoint, Brady well, and probably Fox fair. wants him in the booth, right? So the question is, let's say Brady does do it. And I, I, I understand where Adam, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, I could see the scenario where he doesn't do it, and it's all moot point. But let's say he does go through it. What do you do with Greg Olson at that point? You're going to drop him to number two with Joe Davis? And then if you're Greg Olson, are you going to take that? Or are you going to want to get out of your contract, right? Like, that's – what happens? I, I mean, this is unique. What What do you do at that point? Yeah, but – it's good. Three man booth. A lot of, a lot of, <laughs> just what we need. Another one of those. I hear, yeah. I hear it's popular. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do wonder. There's, I do wonder. There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of dominoes in play. I think of this. Uh, if, look, this. if I'm Fox, I don't, I don't let Greg Olson go because if I, if I'm not sure if Tom Brady's all in, I need that backup quarterback, right? Like, so I don't let him go. And to your point, Eric, either I try to, you know, give him uh, the number two spot. Maybe we try to throw something else at him. We move him to the studio. I think Fox tries everything they can because you don't lose that that backup quarterback if you're not sure about your starter. And I think 
you know, potentially Fox may be taking a risk on Tom Brady. So I think they probably want to keep Greg for at least another season. And if that works with Tom, then I think they cut Greg Olson loose and he's the, you know, the number one broadcaster on, you know, whatever, you know, CBS well, Sports. Up, right. No, well, no, if it was up to me, I would just do the, to your point, I would do the three-man booth, see how it goes with Brady and Olsen in case Brady kind of says, this is not for me. You don't have to make it to your point. That's the time to do the three-man booth instead of, making all these changes for a guy that may or may not be into it in a, a two years from now. Who knows? Yeah. I also wonder how he'll be received because if I read things correctly, and I, again, it's been a while since I read this. So anybody keep me honest, like there's, there's, you know, concessions being made. I think he's flying in before the game. He's leaving on a private, like, I think he's, he's going to be coddled in some extent versus what you're probably used to. I just wonder how that's going to be received by the, by the crew. We talked about the Aikman crew and sort of how that went over. I just wonder how that'll be received if Tom jets in and lands at Sunday at two o'clock for the 4 PM broadcast. Like how, how will that be perceived if he gets private airfare to and from the game? I just wonder how that'll be perceived by the, the rest of the crew and the rest of the announcers. Well, and I think well, we also have a lot like my, that sounds a lot like my deal. I have. <laughs> I know. I've seen, I've seen the Eric Lopez copter yeah. in the air. And also brings up the other burning question that we asked earlier. Is he really retired from football? <laughs> I guess he can't go back and play now that he's in in, in ownership stake. He'd have to get back. They up. can dissolve that in like yeah. a minute, yeah. right? Like, yeah. But uh, it's interesting. So- it's it, he he had the Manning cast commercial, which was really funny, a really well yes. put together commercial, and he was the cliffhanger at the end. And sure, it certainly felt like it was a joke, but every every joke I, has got a little bit of truth behind it, right? But yeah. the thing is, I actually think he'll be good at TV. I just don't know if he'll be a great game analyst. I think he might be better suited for studio, but we'll may not find out. To your point, Adam, ego wise, you might want to just rather be the main analyst guy, the you know, football wise. There's probably a part of him is like, man, I wish I would have come up with that Manning cast concept. I was I think he'd be great on the Manning cast. Now it's yeah. already pretty crowded with just the two of them and then another guest. And when when I saw those like auditions for a third, I was like, how are they going to put a third? And then I realized what it was, and and so it was fine. But afterwards, I was like, you know, Brady would be interesting if he had something like that. That's why I think he jumped at the first thing that was out there. And Fox wanted him. He was like, ah, fine. Give me $400 million in a man. They're like, done. <laughs> right. It's one of those where you throw a number out, they match it. And you're like, oh, crap. Okay. I guess I'll do this now. But I think as time has waned and he's got these other interests, he's seen other people do stuff like Peyton Manning with Omaha Productions. He sees what's out there. I think maybe he maybe would enjoy the freedom of doing more creative stuff than going, all right, second and 10 here. I throw the bubble screen. Like, I don't, I just don't think that's where he wants to be at. Just, just right. a gut feeling on my part. So let's help Fox make more money, Adam, here. Because, uh, you know, they, they're crying. You know, they need money. Um, if I'm Eric Shanks and company, then with that in mind, why not just give Brady his own alternate broadcast? Like do an FS1 version of yeah. an NFL marquee game or a playoff game or the Super Bowl. You know, CBS is doing that with the Nickelodeon thing. Why not just do a Brady uh, – uh, Alternate you, broadcast. Fox after. already has Gronkowski. You give me a Brady-Gronkowski Ooh. broadcast. Ooh. There you go. I mean, <laughs> You know, All right. chips and dip, nobody with a shirt on. I mean, that, that, that could, that could rate. Yeah. Better, better keep that, that, that finger on the, uh, the mute button though. <laughs> well, that's why it's on FS1. Yeah. Yeah. And then as far as Fox goes on NFL coverage, they pretty much remain largely unchanged. Right. I mean, I didn't see you're on mute, yeah. Eric. Yeah. They're, they're happy with everybody. Yeah. including Chris Myers, who's there for the 100th year in a row doing NFL games play-by-play. Uh, play. I kid Still because I win. care. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. He does NFL play-by-play the whole year, and then he slides into sideline for the playoffs. It's just, uh, hey, man, good for him. Yeah. It's great. It's, 
Hey, and your boys, your boys, Daryl Johnston, once again, back with the Joel. <laughs> yeah, he has moved up and down the depth chart there. Yeah, well, like three, four times, right? It's He's like, got nine rivals for sure. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Fiverr, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh. You know what? You know, every company is a good old reliable employee. So I think he, he kind of fits the bill there. All right. Let's switch over now to NBC. And that would be your Notre Dame music. I don't have the new Big Ten stuff. Or are they using the same? I don't know. I did not see any openings for the Big Ten game I broadcast. Think they're doing that Fallout Boy music or Saturday night. Well, I know that's the, that's the theatrical big and rich type okay. open uh okay. that they're doing so anyway so uh speaking of notre dame so jason garrett also a favorite of the twitter whipping oh. boy universe oh my <laughs> as he got uh he got uh pretty well roasted uh for his performance over the weekend and uh and boy the the pairing of him and and collinsworth's kid just is brutal <laughs> it's the worst it's the worst broadcast team in by far and maybe one of the worst of all time and it gives more people reasons to hate the Dallas Cowboys because why is Jason Garrett on this broadcast? Who I don't understand this. What producer comes to mind and says, hey, this Jason Garrett, we got him on these production meetings. Let's get him on a booth. That's a Listen, great idea. Eric, I mean, thanks I a lot, checked, guys. The last I checked, Jason Garrett was coaching the Giants. I can't. I mean, it's a Giants coach. <laughs> you know, I can't take that. He was the that. offensive he was, coordinator. He was coaching the Giants um, last I saw him, yeah. It's it's not good. It's that is a bad like I just and, and you know you mentioned Chris Collinsworth's kid Jock Collinsworth. He's not a natural play by play guy. I I know he went to Notre Dame. I don't know if I'm Notre Dame, which their contracts coming up. Okay, if you're Notre Dame, do is this part of the negotiations? And I'm being serious here. Are you saying hey we want better broadcasters here or we're out? You know like I I I I, I can't listen to it. Well, another network like, tried to take Notre Dame football as an exclusive. It depends where they go. I mean, it depends. Do they join a conference? Do they not join a conference? I mean, I could definitely see, you know, ABC, ESPN trying to get them. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I mean, that's right. going to be the next big debate. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I don't know what's going to happen. I just know I don't like that crew. I do not. And I listen to them with Noah Eaton. And, and, and I, you know, they did the the Navy-Notre Dame game. And it was it just like, like no. No, and then you pair him up with Tony Dungy on Sunday nights. I mean, just have two guys to say nothing for the whole show. Why am I – and at that point, you're like, what am I doing with my life? I'm listening to these guys. <laughs> Why? Why do we do this to ourselves? What are we doing? <laughs> if I'm Greg Olson, that's my leverage play. I'm better than that guy. I could at worst be the number two in the in the NBC market. Oh, there you go. Adam? <laughs> for, for Notre Dame, I mean, uh, three words for Notre Dame. Call – Mike Golick. Don't overthink this. Right. You oh. call Mike Golick. I mean, don't overthink this. He's a broadcaster. He's he's doing a bunch of other random stuff with DraftKings and Metal. I mean, Notre Dame guy through and through. I think he lives in South Bend now. Call Mike Golick. Call it a day. Find any anybody can be your play by play, not Jack Collinsworth, but anybody can be your play by play guy. <laughs> call Mike Golick. Call it a day. Well, I mean, bring both Golicks in if you have to. Have them both do the game. It can't be any worse. Can't be anywhere. Well, Adam, have you discussed this with uh, with Mike Golick? Uh, he had, no, we have not spoken in in quite some time now. Unfortunately. I feel bad for Mike Golick though, because like every time he's doing that. a radio, he's doing an interview. Every time he gets asked about Mike Greenberg, can you, <laughs> he's 
still gets asked about it. Like, at some point, he's thinking to himself, I'm tired of addressing this already, all right? He broke up with us. I have nothing to do with him. Yeah, um, yeah just recently on the Dan Patrick show. Uh, yep, yes, 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 he asked yep. him again. Like, how many How many more years? Are we, is, is this going to be, like, an ongoing thing? Are we going to ask him 10 years from now about Mike, Mike uh, Greenberg there? I mean, Adam, are you going to ask – if you bring him back on the show – are you going to yeah. ask him about Mike Greenberg for an update? On that? I'll see if I can talk some trash about Mike Greenberg. See if I, can I get, feel like you two have a bonding a, yeah, moment here yeah, on Mike I, Greenberg. I we'll, we'll go over that overexpo. Uh, well, well, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll probe a little bit on yes. that. Yes. Well, oh. Did your back hurt for carrying him for so long? You know. <laughs> yeah. At one point, did you want to punch him in the face after that second tease? Like, when, <laughs> when is it that you really want to, to go after him? Yeah, I haven't asked that yeah. <laughs> oh no, that would that 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 would be good. Uh, well, a better broadcast in hand, of course, uh, with their Big Ten debut. No Eagle and Todd Blackledge, of course. Blackledge moving over from ESP and ABC, and so hey, he's you know if he goes to work for Fox, he would have worked for all of them because uh, he's been with CBS as well. But uh, you know that was a that was a home run hit, I think, to get him to be their top analyst. It is. Uh, I agree. And, you know, he's done in interviews about it. NBC said he's going to be the focus of their coverage with the Big Ten and those games. The thing. But one thing I hope also comes out of this. All right, NBC, don't overthink this. Use Todd Blackledge in your playoff game because you're going to have two. Remember, you're going to have multiple playoff games, NBC. Don't use Tony Dungy. Don't use Jason Garrett. You got Todd Blackledge. Slide him in there. He'll be fine. Okay. Put, pair him with Al Michaels. That's all. Okay. Recommendation, please. Uh, that's number one. Number two, I think him and Noah Eagle will be fine. My only thing is I feel like we're wasting Todd Blackledge. Like he's really going to be calling Charlotte at Maryland this Saturday. That is gotta be a low point. Like what, what are we doing? Like that's a horrible game. Why is that game even on NBC? I'm not even sure that game should be on. I, take, pick your, you know, streaming service. I mean, I would put it on anywhere. Uh, that's my only thing is like, instead of doing a marquee game, he's going to be stuck in a lot of these weekends doing like the third best or four, you know, mediocre big 10 game. That's my only disappointment is I'm probably not going to see a lot of him because I'm not going to tune in a lot because most of their games are not going to be that interesting to me. Adam. Yeah. I I like Todd Blackledge a lot. I I just, I'm, I'm just a creature of habit. Again, I'm, I'm a muscle memory guy. Like I, I gotta get, I gotta get used to what this is going to look like. Um, I mean, they had an unfortunate graphic error that was all over, all over Twitter when, uh, where they were standing, it essentially read a uh, uh, big turd Saturday or something like that. The way that oh, the peacock the way, version of the broadcast, yeah, yeah that was the, the, way, the way that was uh, positioned. So I, I got to get used to this. I, I got to get used to this whole layout and the different teams and different broadcasters. I, I like Blackledge. I like Tariko. Um, I obviously don't like Jason Garrett. So I'm 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 open to watching and seeing what it looks like. I, I have to figure out a way to get it in the muscle memory, but I think they've made some smart hires early on. I think they've made some, some solid hires. Now to Eric's point, can they use everybody correctly? And Missy has this whole thing about, they go out and get the shiny new toy. And then before you know it, there's Drew Brees, right? So can they, can they use everybody correctly? Can they find the right medium for everybody? I think that's always been what NBC's issue is. And so, so can they use Todd Blackledge the right way? Do they find the right mixture with their with their analyst? Do, you know, does Noah Eagle get the opportunity? I, I'm I want to see how NBC manages because I feel like that's probably been their biggest issue is the way they've managed their 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 football and their college football talent. Well, I'll give you another example. Notre Dame has Ohio State at home, USC at home. 
Are we really going to have Jason Garrett do those games? We're not going to use Todd Blackledge for those games? Really? Really? Uh, <laughs> like, like, come on. Seriously. That, do we need to really spell this out for you? Use him for your best games. Please. Do yeah. not waste. Uh, that, the, he needs to be on those games. Because those will be the two most watched Notre Dame games on NBC the whole year. The Ohio State and the USC game. Use Todd Blackledge for that, and then let Garrett use whatever mediocre Big Ten games going on or not. Why, that. Well, take a step further. Let no Eagle and Todd Blackledge do those Notre Dame games. <laughs> I mean, I'm not opposed to that. And you know, they they did hire. I think they hired. Did they hire Kyle Rudolph to do some games too? I believe uh, so. Yes. Which, yeah. Who's yeah. also a Notre Dame guy, but yet he's yes. not doing the Notre Dame games. Correct? Like yeah. what? <laughs> I just, I don't Why don't know. we just move Jason Garrett to the Mountain West? It sounds like maybe that's the <laughs> or, or Conference uh, USA or, or like something. Yeah, just or I not TV in general, or the, or keep him on the USFL <laughs> where nobody watches. Just go it's keep him fair. on the USFL. Yeah, yeah, and and to Adam's point, yeah, there's a lot to get used to because, like, okay, you know, outside of Notre Dame, you know, NBC has pretty much been silent. In, in college football. So this is kind of a, a whole new landscape as far as that goes. So now let's uh, switch over to talk about their NFL side of things. Sunday Night Football on NBC. And, of course, we have Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. Uh, you know, they've got stability there. Uh as they move into an, another year with uh, Tariko, of course, seasoned from prime time at ESPN and ABC, so kind of a lot unchanged here as far as uh, as far as NBC is concerned. It ain't broke, don't fix it, right? I think this is the perfect example of they got they have a formula now. I think Tariko and Collinsworth are figuring out. I think Collinsworth is still, you know, in that upper echelon of analysts, right? Either one to two to three, depending on who you are. I think Rumbo slots down a little bit. So he's probably in that Aikman, you know, Collinsworth are probably your top two NFL guys right now. Uh, don't overthink this one again. Don't, this is where I, I don't want NBC to get cute. Right. And find the recently retired player and try to figure out a way to jam him into the booth and, you know, have a 90 person, you know, pregame set with Rodney Hare. Like, don't get cute. You've got a good formula. You know, the Drew Brees thing, you know, rest itself. Tiki Barber rest itself. Right. I think don't get cute. Your studio show needs a little bit of work. Tony Dungy did the points earlier. Just a bit meh for me at this point, but you've got a good game broadcast. Don't don't get cute. Don't try to bring in the recently retired player to to be a part of it. Let's leave it alone. You got a good product. Did anyone benefit more than Mike Tirico though by the criticism that Al got for the Jacksonville Charger playoff game and how he kind of blew? the end of that call, how disinterested he was, him and Dungy, even though I think what happened there is Tony Dungy put him to sleep because he almost put me to sleep. So <laughs> I, I I think he put all of us to sleep. Mike Tirico benefited from that because, you know, last year was like, oh, man, I miss Al and Chris and this and that. I think that now that's behind them a little bit, and I think people will move forward with that. You know, I think they're fine. They're not my favorite tandem, but they're fine. You know what you're going to get. You're good. Um with Melissa Stark and company. So I, I agree with Adam. There's no need to tweak that. Uh, the studio is a whole other store, but I don't think that's savable at this point. My only thing is if they're going to have multi-playoff games uh, like they did last year, because I think they have an exclusive Peacock game on the playoffs this year, which is that's going to be a hot topic uh, this year. Just use, please use Todd Blackledge. <laughs> it was actually good in football. 
That's I'm gonna lose my mind if they announce Tony Dungy or Jason Garrett Analyst. I will flip out, <laughs> Jeff. You will have to come up with some bleep buttons when we analyze that because I will be cussing up a store <laughs> in the worst case if they do go that direction again. Yes, let's do a live show when uh, live when, show, when, yeah. when that happens. <laughs> Live reaction. Just lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. The so, clapper. That yeah. clapper gets to All right. Well, so you say their studio show is not worth saving. I mean, what would you do with it? I mean, not or, save it. I mean, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's I mean, I mean that used to be my favorite show. That used to be yeah. my favorite pregame when Costas was hosting it or Dan Patrick was hosting it. Uh, you know, Dungy early on was fine. You had, you know, but you had other personalities. Um, I'm not sure what you could do with it right now. I mean, maybe, I mean, with Steve Young, can you bring Steve Young in? At least, I like Steve Young, but I don't know if that's the, he's not going to do that. So I'm not sure what is savorable uh, in that regard. Cause I just think Garrett and Dungy is kind of a big whiff. Um, if Mike Tomlin ever decides to retire, I would pony up if I'm NBC, that would be a great get whoever ends up with Mike Tomlin. Um you know, Brady might actually be a great fit there. Maybe we could do a trade with Fox. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe Greg Olson ends up there. I, I don't know. I don't think there's anything you could do right now, though, to save that. Well, I think they're also – Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm curious to see, too. I, I don't have the timeline in front of me, but I, I think I saw on social media that Maria Taylor's expecting her first child, which I, I from the picture I saw, I feel like she was pretty far along. So if she misses some time for maternity leave, who, who steps in and, and hosts that show? Who is the – Who's the backup host for Maria Taylor if if she can't if she's out for a period of time? Didn't she miss a game? Uh, miss a Sunday last year, and I can't remember who. Somebody filled in for her. Last they year. they lost Liam McHugh, right? Who was typically their their guy? He's at TNT Hockey now, yeah. right? Yeah. So who yeah. was there? Who was that second person in? Was it Catherine Tappen? But Catherine Tappen's no. doing the sideline for college. No. It wasn't her. Yeah, Tariko used to do the hosting there, but now he's exclusively in the play-by-play yeah. slot. I remember one guy being there filling in one time. I cannot remember his name for the life of me, and I never holds well for him. And I never, I never, I never seen him before. So, uh, <laughs> or, or, or since apparently, <laughs> that's a real well. That, that that sounds like a great option. Um, uh, why not just bring Dan guy. Patrick back? Let's uh, just bring Dan Patrick back. Can we do that? There you go. There you or. Go. Just do the studio show from on site. Do the show from on site. Yeah. Uh, you could have, because that's the thing. Collinsworth might be who you're thinking about, because Collinsworth, Jock Collinsworth, is involved on some of those shows on site. So maybe he's the answer as far as who would host in Maria's place. Maybe. Which mm. he's hosted before. I actually wouldn't have a problem with that. Just don't have him do play by play. Yeah. That's, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder how also much affected, you know, because, you know, now that the NFL is really into the, you know, they, I think when Sunday Night Football first started, the NFL was not doing 425 kickoffs. So right. how much, you know, you probably miss half the show yes, with the late game audience anyway. Correct. So maybe if they did a shorter show, <laughs> that might, uh, <laughs> that might well, be. Well, I think they like the fact that as soon as that, four, that last 425 game is gone, you could just flip over and their pregame show, right? And I mean, I've watched some of that where the first half they're just kind of going through some feature stuff and things like that to kind of kill time. Uh, but, you know, you're right. The 425 kicks kind of makes that pregame show a little irrelevant there. Cause, and also, let's be real. I mean, people like me, they watch NFL Red Zone Channel. You yeah. know, we're going to watch – you know, we have that access to watch every snap, you know, game finish. 
so we don't have to go to a pregame show for Sunday Night Football anymore to catch the finish of a game. Uh, so to your point. Okay. All right. Uh, before I ask the, the 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 an interesting question at the end that uh, that, that uh, we have shared with each other, um, just a quick thought on on the Amazon uh, package. It'll be another year of Al Michaels at Kirk Herb Street. Uh, will Al be able to recover his image from being disinterested, at least allegedly so, last year? Does Al care enough about recovering his image? I think is the question. <laughs> that might be I a mean, better question. Al, yes. At this point, are you going to be like, uh, they're really going to hammer me long term because that last year at Amazon, right? I think Al's going to be who Al is. And I think if he's interested in the games, you'll, you'll see that energy. And I think if he's not, for whatever reason, you'll see that energy too, right? So I don't think, you know, when at the end of an illustrious career winding down, I don't think any of us are going to be like, you know what? Miracle on Ice is one thing, but those Amazon broadcasts, I think he's, he's probably cemented his legacy. So I think if he's, if he's up for the challenge, I think he's probably in for it, but I'm not expecting him to go home and, you know, plot all summer long on making his comeback and his revenge tour. I think you're going to get same old Al. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't mind their production, their broadcast. I actually thought it was pretty good. I also don't want them to get the best, better games. Like, not everybody is going to get the better. I don't want them to get better games at the expense of a Monday night game or a Sunday late, you know, window. Like, it's okay if the Thursday night game's not. And we're kind of all guilty of this because we like to mock it Thursday night. And, oh, look at that. Cold, you know, it's okay. We don't have to have the best game. Let Leave them alone. Let's get the NFL game there. It's on Amazon. That's fine. What I don't want is marquee games to be moved over from Monday nights to Thursday nights because I'd rather watch the Monday night games than the Thursday night games or, you know, vice versa. I don't, you know, so that's my only thing that I hope we don't turn this into, oh, wow, we need to flip over the Amazon schedule. They need better games and we have more, you know, uh, flexing going on. And now we're moving games from Sundays to Thursday. I think that would be bad. And by the way, thanks to the interweb, I've, have figured out who filled in for Maria Taylor it was Ahmed Farid who filled in for her one. Really? Yes. Hmm. Never recalled that. Yeah. I do remember him on the Olympic coverage though. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So huh. we, we we thank the Google machine for uh, for uh, for that answer. So. All right. So our final our final question. So. I guess this was done. Who did this question? I can't remember. Uh, this is Richard Deitch in the Athletic. Okay, puts out thank the, you. Uh, the, the survey every year, yeah. All right. So what lead National NFL crew would you most want to have a beer with? And, of course, your, cheese, your choices are Jim Dance, Tony Romo, and Tracy Wilson, Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson, Aaron Andrews, and Tom Rinaldi, ESPN's Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Lisa Salters, Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreit, and Kaylee Hartung, and... Mike Tarika, Chris Collinsworth, and Melissa Stark. So, gentlemen, you have to pick. That yeah. depends. He's, do we get the Do we get the Troy Aikman beer if we pick him? Like, how does that work? Free eight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> easiest, easiest question you've asked me all night, Jeff. It's Fox, hands down. Uh, I think Kevin Burkhart's a fun guy. I think you have a couple beers with Greg Olson. Maybe he talks a little bit of smack about Tom Brady taking the booth over. And then at, before the end of the night, Tom Rinaldi's going to make you cry at some point, right? So you get a full range of emotions there. You laugh, you cry, you have some good beers. And so I think for me, it's the, uh, it's the Fox crew. I think that'll be, I think that'd be a fun crew. And then Rinaldi would, would ruin it all and make us all cry with a heartwarming story. <laughs> all right, Eric. That's a good answer. I will take. I'll go a different direction just so we not have the same answer. I'm gonna go Al and Herb Street actually, because first of all, I just covered the Florida State LSU game. I'm walking to the stadium, 
Kurt Herbstreit walks past me to go to this field to get access so he could talk to coaches. Mind you, the rest of the media has no access to the field anymore at Campy World, like Kurt Herbstreit. So Kirk walks by. He's got the sunglasses. He's got the suit. He walks by. He got all these fans around him. They get this huge roar. Go, Kirk! We love you! Well, it's like this huge eruption. I thought he was like a bait, like the rock in wrestling babyface going there with Cody <laughs> Rose, a huge over. I feel like it'd be kind of fun hanging around him as he's traveling from football game to football game. And then Al, you know Al is going to pick up the t- – he's going to spend good money on that food, all right? We're going to get good food out getting of this. steak. You're getting a steak. Right now, America, I, don't, yeah. I don't have to worry about vegetables because him and I don't like vegetables. So we have that in common. And I would hear awesome stories about Al and his time in Hawaii calling baseball. I mean, the stories and OJ chases. Come on. What's not to like? You didn't go Nance. The problem there is I feel like I feel the problem there is Romo would dominate the conversation. <laughs> And I and I just wouldn't get Nance wouldn't get a word. No, Jim, one yeah. more for Jim. Yeah, it's good call. Oh, do you believe that? Oh, would be you know. So I don't know if if it was Na- like if it was a PGA tour event crew. I'm going hanging out with the CB. You know, I'm hanging out with Nance and the CBS crew there. I don't know. Roma would dominate, but that's a good choice. I actually I wouldn't mind having dinner with all these people. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, well, sure. Yeah. No, it, I mean. Part of me would all almost go that route because you know yeah, I like to meet, meet a Cowboys quarterback. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that would be kind of fun. Um, it really is kind of hard to pick amongst these things, uh, but I would have to That's say some good options. Some 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 great options. Um, I think I would go with you on the uh, on the Michael Surf Street. I think you get a balanced storyline there. The problem with Nancy, I feel like Romo would just kind of be the – it'd be just awkward, like Romo's hyping. Like, even I'm trying to talk to Nance and Romo chimes in, oh, that was great. You know, like, wait, all right, settle down. Um, <laughs> but that's just me. Now, you two are Cowboy fans. Yes. You two are unique because you're Cowboy fans. Would you rather meet Aikman or Romo? Uh, I would probably pick Aikman. I'd also pick Aikman. Yeah. I don't think, I, I don't think Romo, I think I'd leave Romo being like, I don't like that guy. <laughs> and that sucks because he's supposed to be my quarterback. Yeah. So, I'm worried. I thought yeah. I would, you would pick Romo because you'd be worried that you would feel that way about Aikman. If you met him. I'm hoping I can get some free eight beer out of him. It's really, it's really what that's it true, is. True. Sponsor the show or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we can work something out. And, and Aikman's got the rings, you know, fair. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that would be my choice. Big part. Just for this, so. All right, so that was a fun question. I thought that was kind of interesting. So I guess the the the, the survey picked Nance Romo and Wolfson. So, wow, yeah, I mean Nance is everybody likes Nance. I mean, I that's not a bad choice as well. Uh, how about College Crew? Who would you pick? Have a hang out with? See College Crew? Would you would you go Fowler Herb Street or who are we going with College Crew? Boy, that's a good. I'm one. going Fowler Herb Street because I got to get my tennis fix in with Fowler. Like okay. that's like without doing. Boy, I'm if, shocked you're not picking Brando if, and Tillman there. Well, Jim. you know, I I would say that would be near the top of the list. I mean, if I could go back in time, I would go Uncle Vern. Oh wow, sure. You get a lot of great stories there. Or like I can't pick Danielson and Nestler. That's going to be awkward. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Since you kicked him to the curb earlier. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, at least uh, buy them dinner, you owe them that much. <laughs> yeah, I'll go off the board. Give me Gus Johnson, Joel Clatt. 
that would Gus will have some NBA stories, some college hoop stories. Um, the big three, you guys know I'm into that. Uh, and so I, that's right. He works with Jim Jackson. Yeah. yeah, yeah give yeah. me, give me Gus Johnson and Joel Klein. Yeah. That's you just got to make sure they're actually on site, not remote. That's also a good point. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a really rough dinner through yeah. Zoom for sure. No, that's, that's a good pick. I think, I think Gus would be a lot of fun, especially after a couple of drinks. Yeah. yeah. Gus and Joel. Yeah. That'd be good. All right, guys. Well, we uh, we exhausted another one. Uh, we we've co- we've covered football A to Z as far as broadcasting is concerned. So let me let you get your uh, your your cheap and blatant plugs in for your endeavors before uh, before we let you run. Well, I uh, start with me. You can follow me at Eric Lopez Elo on social media. I still write for BlackAndGoldBanneret.com. I have some media articles there, including TV numbers, broadcasting information there. Uh, I call games on ESPN Plus. I'll be calling actually number six ranked UCF, the other football, men's soccer, this Saturday night against Brown. My advice is, you know, have the UCF football game on the TV, have the soccer on the computer. Hopefully football is taking care of business. You can flip to soccer or you can watch it on demand. That's fine with me as well. Uh, I'll be calling that uh, this Saturday. I'll be doing some stuff for ESPN Plus throughout the year. And then I've got this show now I co-host with Trace Trelko and Mr. Adam Eaton around the kingdom which you can find on all your Sons of UCF uh, feeds, podcast feeds, YouTube channels. If I miss something there, Adam can fill in the blanks. <laughs> Are you doing the volleyball game tomorrow? No, this, I will not be doing volleyball. I did the, this past weekend. You can watch those on archives as well. They, they've got me kind of like this utility guy right now. So yeah. uh, we'll see where they need me, wherever they need me to plug in. Awesome. Yeah, you can uh, find me at all things Sons of UCF on social media. Uh, uh, Eric mentioned our YouTube channel. We got videos of uh, the interviews. We've got uh, features on there, so you can find us on YouTube. That includes uh, the aforementioned Around the Kingdom with uh, with Eric Lopez. And happy to report for the the listeners, Jeff Allen's also helping us out this year as well. Who? He'll be Jeff <laughs> Allen. You want to ding the? Can we get the bell here, Jeff? Or, um, he'll be joining us each week on the Sons of UCF live talking Big Twelve. We also updated our website, sonsofucf.com. New articles, some new features, new columnists on there as well. Uh, so uh, find us wherever you do your social media stuff. Find us wherever you do your downloadable content and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yeah, so Eric, I'm almost getting into your territory where I will be almost in daily contact with Adam. <laughs> that's the goal. That's all the goal we're doing. I, I mean, that's, you know, that's I'm it, doing it. I think I'm, I'm filling in for uh, Trace, who's out driving out to Boise, Idaho. Traveling yeah. the world. Fun, fun the world. fact. Breaking news. No, no one knows this. Breaking news. Eric Lopez makes his uh, his hosting debut tomorrow on the Suns UCF Live. Breaking All right. news. All right. Big time. Yeah. yeah. So we, yeah, three of us will be on that show in some capacity. How about that? Yeah, that's good stuff. All right, guys. The band's back together. <laughs> there you go. One night to the next. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Thanks again. Appreciate it as always. Thank you, Jeff. Anytime, Jeff. The Heart and Soul Music Festival is back. This time it's bigger and better than ever. Saturday, October 14th, 3 p.m. in the Apaka Amphitheater with Atlantic Star. Stephanie Mills. And get ready to take a ride with Lakeside. Plus the smooth voice of Kenny Lattimore. And Raheem Devon. And Raheem Devon. Don't miss the 2023 Hawking Soul Music Festival. 
Saturday, October 14th, 3 p.m. in the Apaca Amphitheater. Early bird tickets on sale now at eventbrite.com. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer Self is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.